Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, my neighbor. Good morning to life. Good morning. Music. Talk. Inspiration. In perspective. Your station. It's a refreshing lifestyle. City FM 97.3. Do you want to wave your hand in the air? From side to side, everybody.
It's called Bongo Praise. <laughs> Brimpong leading the Bethel Revival Choir in a medley of praise and worship in a reggae style. Come, let me tell you what the Lord has done for me. He's healed me. He's given me freedom and liberty. It's a beautiful way to start your morning. You may not understand the words, but for those of you members of EP Church, Global, and all the other groups, I'm sure this song is taking you back, way back. Now this one says, hey, come on, everybody, raise it up, come on. Starting the show with businesses brought to you by ADB And this one is a simple one At the end, you will find vindication This is really taken from Luke 18 A widow who wanted vindication From an unjust judge Who neither feared God nor regarded man because of her persistence because of her importunity she got what she wanted so the lesson for the day persistence maybe I should read it for you to help you to put the day in context says there was a certain judge who did not fear God nor regard man but there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying get justice for me for my adversary and he would not for a while but after what he said within himself though I do not fear God nor regard man yet because this widow troubles me I will avenge her 
lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what this unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That's the question. His hands are open to save. But will you persist? Will you stay on? Will you keep pushing? Or will you give up? That's the message. Business Sense brought to you by ADB. Get up to 80% of your next net monthly salary or 10,000 CDs in the ADB Payday Plus. Call 0244284197. ADB truly at Greek and more. Tell you it's a wonderful song. In the meantime, you Super Reviews next. Brought to you by Fidelity Bank. Go to fidelitybank.com.gh or use our mobile app to update your records. It takes only a few minutes. Call 0800-003355 for more information. And if your vehicle needs a boost, get the total quartz 9000, future 0W20. Delivers excellent engine protection and cleanliness, increases your oil change interval, reduces your fuel consumption. Join the Total Quartz Nation movement now. Join the conversation on the City Breakfast Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag CityCBS.
Alright, so it's 6.37 There's a lot more time to, to play this song Let me just say good morning to my brothers Nathan and to Godfrey Gentlemen, good morning Hello The song has put me in a different mood so, I was in a worshipful mood after the first song And this one But it's not in, in saying so, um, you are still the ambassador, the water ambassador. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, then yeah. congratulations. Oh, yes, yes, we are in the first division. First division, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Water Rangers, Adam. I, when I gave you this prophecy, you didn't believe it. <laughs> Give us two seasons. Yeah, and in two seasons, yes. Adam has done it. So, yes. congratulations to Adam so, and his people. Who has a team? In in division division one. After just two years, they are called Volta, Volta Rangers. Rangers. Very, very good team. And it's a proper grassroots team. Yeah. Yes, this one is not preferable. Well, you and I must go and watch one of their games. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So give us two seasons. We'll, be, we'll play Liberty in the league next season. <laughs> you are playing Liberty in the league next season. But that's the, yeah, 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 of course, Division 1. Yeah. Division 1. Yeah, we are in the southern zone. We are in the same zone. Wow. So that game, you, you wear your Volta Rangers <laughs> shirt, I wear my Liberty <laughs> shirt, and we'll be there. I tell anyway, you. Anyway, let mm. me take you to the front page of the Daily Graphic, Bernard. Mm. Ghana needs righteous. Righteousness, hmm. not churches, <laughs> leaders. Apostle Eric Nyameche, chairman of the Church of Pentecost. I'll tell you where he said this and why. That's all. He's saying it. ECOWAS chair, President Ernst Tenia, Guinea-Bissau, takes over. IMF intervention. Now it's hiding on the far right. Mm-hmm. Government upbeat about economic stability. Kujo Opon Kroma, information minister. And he'll be our guest. He'll be our guest on the breakfast show mm. uh, later on in the morning. Yeah. All mm. right. The Ghanaian Times says, President's role as ECOWAS chair. Hands over to President of Guinea-Bissau. Mm-hmm. GAF wants public against sale, use of military pattern, uniforms, accoutrement mm-hmm. without permit. Mm. Uh, World Bank lords Ghana for uh, Gamma projects. And the uh, Ghanaian Times is telling us of their new uh, price, mm. which is four CDs. Daily Guys front page says, Motorway on about project two stars in September. Over 100 countries run to IMF. Okay, the finder says, end of 2019 economy not IMF bound. COVID-19, Russia-Ukraine war triggered crisis. President Ekufado and wife bid farewell to former first lady of Ghana. NLA launches Sunday as that draw. And e-levy is not charged on merchant accounts. That's according to the GRA. All right. Front page of the Inquisitor this morning says, Ghana's IMF move. Ophuria tap trending with his gongong bitter John Kuma. <laughs> Auction of seized oil. <laughs> Echo Lucy and gang on mass. Wait, take your time. What's the headline saying again? Ghana's IMF move. Mm-hmm. Uforiata trending with his gong gong bitter John Kuma. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the Cocoa Bot trial, that's also still ongoing. More witnesses question UG test result on Lithovit fertilizer. Okay. Uh, the Chronicle says Upon Kuma speaks on why Ghana is seeking IMF support. Hmm. COVID, Russia Ukraine war affected economic growth after buffers had been expended. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mahama endorses Ekufado's IMF decision. Mm-hmm. Asabi dares competitors to debate. Mm-hmm. And Kwan CEO to Wachinini stay away from sold Akim Eboakwa lands. And the scripture for the day, Second mm-hmm. Timothy 2 15. Mm. Do your best to present to God, to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed mm. and who correctly handles the word of truth. Mm. The public press front page says that MPP NDC trade blame over IMF move. Mm. Kenya Japan wants NPP says party can't break the eight with IMF squad. Uh, Os- Osafo Mafu Bex Asantis is also here. NDC went to IMF because of mismanagement. We are going because of a pandemic. That's a penal marking. Mm. And employ lawyers at MMDs to curb contract procurement breaches. This is coming from the Empire. So mm. MP. Alright, the new crusading guide says COVID and war push government to IMF. Info minister explains. 
<laughs> employ lawyers at MMDAs to curb contract procurement breaches. That's according to the Mpraiso MP. Afote mm-hmm. Agbo comments Top Kings Limited over proposed TVET establishments in Nungwa. And MNE bosses I'm overwhelmed by government projects in Ashanti region. Oh. Uh-huh. Plus KGL Group hosts Nigeria Lottery Regulatory Commission CEO. Um, he's in Ghana. All right. The front page of the new publisher says Mahama Oke's IMF bailout insists Oferata should not lead negotiations. And Napo has been busy. He's honoring Otunfo's mother. Mm. Okay, and rising inflation. That's on the front page of the Economy Times. BOG calls for resilient and thriving agri sector. PURC extends announcement date of u- new utility tariffs by two weeks. Uh-huh. The BOG needs help in the war on inflation. The Herald's front page says NPP's three wise men rush Ghana to IMF without Baumia's input. Disappointed party supporters brooding in silence. A Kuhusi story is also here and who residents angry at sale of state land for 41 Ghana cities. Wow, this is serious. And then finally, the front page of the BNFT, the return to IMF, mm. the good, the bad, and the ugly. Less than 1% of GDP spent on social protection according to a new report and on pensions, 25% of SNIT contributors earn up to 5 500 Ghana cities. So many stories. Let me take you online, citynewsroom.com. It's Monday, so a lot of headlines. Free SHS and other programs must be redesigned over economic woes. This is Seth Tekpe. Mm-hmm. Also, government IMF bailout decision, a tragic mistake. Guess who's talking? TUC. Meanwhile, IMF team arrives in Accra on Wednesday to begin talks with government. And then Ricky Tegan says, Ofreata is a fine private businessman, but failed as a finance minister. Those are the stories on citynewsroom.com. My job online is leading with Akufado still has confidence in Kenoforiata. This is uh, Information Minister Kojo Opon in Kuruma. That's the lead story on Joy. If you go to Star FM, Ibn Chambas withdraws as Ecowas envoy to Guinea. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, try and error. I think you want to say trial and error. Trial. Wrote trial. trial and error policies don't grow economy. Lord Mensa to government. And then government can't abolish E-Levy despite IMF moves, according to Ise. The GNA's lead story is on IMF team arrives this week to begin assessment of our fiscal data. Meanwhile, ECOWAS lifts sanctions on Mali. And then Akufuado and wife bid farewell to former first lady of Ghana. And then let's be vigilant against COVID. This is ECOWAS chairman to Ghanaians. Meanwhile, City Business News. We did no wrong in sale of 260 metric tons of slop. This is Tor responding. And then Setekpe uh, story is also here. Free SHS and other programs must be redesigned. According to Setekpe, meanwhile, fuel prices to go up as MP announces restoration of UPPF margin. It's gone up already. Hmm. Let's get into the details. Oh, it's, uh, it's so IMF. There are so many angles yeah, I, I, of the story. Let's yeah. take the IMF then from the. So the team angles. arrives on Wednesday. Yes, that's, that's the first one. That's an Second one, the president maintains confidence in the minister of finance mm-hmm. despite calls for him to go. Yes. And then third one, people's reaction to the decision. TUC said it's tragic. Mm-hmm. Setekpe says. Redesign free SHS. Just give us a wrap. Well, let me just give you a wrap starting from the government side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, on page 16 of the Daily Graphic, the information minister says that the government is optimistic that the resort to the IMF will help stabilize the economy and restore buffers to make it stronger. Mm. It said it had been compelled to approach the IMF because the COVID-19 pandemic had depleted the buffers throwing the economy to an 11% deficit against the regulated 5% deficit level. Quote, the COVID-19 cost us an unprecedented 11% deficit to fight when we had legislated not to do more than 5%. It eroded our buffers and even 
added more debt according to him. Um, Reactions to yes. this, Nathan. The TUC says that it's a tragic mistake to go to IMF. They sent a strongly worded statement, said while they appreciate the challenges facing the economy, they do not believe going to IMF was the answer. Here's a very interesting thing they said. It is now very obvious that the economy of Ghana is in a desperate situation, but we are of the firm view that handing over the management of the economy to the IMF is not a solution. They also said that the much-touted economic gains could not withstand the uh, international and COVID stuff. So they basically did not think the economy was strong enough to withstand those issues. So well, the finder has mm. a, a very interesting write-up. They call it end of 2019 economy, not IMF bound. And they point out certain things, certain factors, indices, all of that in relation to Ghana's move to... Yeah, then there's a couple of stories on Kenufriata. So the, um, mm-hmm. uh, what do you call it? There was one about Gongon Bita. There's one yes, in the Herald the about... Now, the Herald story is interesting. They are, they are basically saying that the decision to go to IMF did not have the endorsement of the vice president. Yes. Which so I thought was an interesting angle to bring. Yes. So according to page three of the Herald this morning, mm-hmm. um, it says that uh, the president... Uh, his cousin, the finance minister, joined by Gabi Asarachidarako, the three wise men running the country, uh, have rushed the country to the IMF. Uh, they are saying that this, uh, according to the Herald, they learned that Dr. Baumia has not been in favor of many of the decisions, such as the E-Levy, Ejapa royalties deal, and expenditure like the National Cathedral Project, and that he has publicly avoided speaking about these because of his objections to many decisions. Well, the IMF... If you go to the Inquisitor's front page, mm-hmm. they say that Ufuriata, uh, trending with his gongong bitter... Well, John Lance says he, the president has confidence in the Minister of Finance because mm-hmm. Mahama had asked, if you go to City News, Mahama had asked for the president to replace him because based on his comments, he said he wasn't sure he was the one to go and lead the team. Mm-hmm. But there's a story on John Lance that uh, the Minister of Information says that the president... Uh, still has confidence in the Minister of Finance and he will lead the team to meet the IMF. Incidentally, when the IMF comes in, they usually meet the Finance Minister, mm-hmm. they'll usually meet the Vice President and mm-hmm. they'll typically meet the Governor. So, we'll see how that pans out. Apart from well, this story, what else is big this morning? In all of this, the E-Levy is, has a, an, an arm somewhere mm-hmm. and the GRA has debunked misleading reports that merchant sims will be charged mm-hmm. E-Levy. According to the GRA pair, the legal framework governing the operation of the levy, merchant sims registered with the GRA for the purposes of income tax or VAT will not be affected by E-Levy charge. Meanwhile, fuel prices have gone up as mm-hmm. MP announces restoration of the UPPF margin. So this is really weird. Last week, the IES Center released that fuel prices were going to come down by 4% because of mm-hmm. global prices coming down. But apparently, the MPA has announced that it is restoring the full unified petroleum fri- price fund margin on petroleum <laughs> products. It made the announcement on Thursday, June 30, indicating that the decision takes effect from Friday, July 1. So basically, that windfall, that reduction will not happen. So that's a latest story on the economy. Fuel prices have gone up again. Let me move from the economy and talk education quickly. Staying with the question on page 3. Mm-hmm. Education is in crisis. This is coming from Professor Anamwa Mensah. Uh-huh. According to Professor Jofus Anamwa Mensah, former Vice Chancellor of the University of Education, whenever he has supported the view for a re- he has supported the call for a review of basic and secondary education in Ghana with immediate well thought out measures to salvage it from collapse. He said many children were not literate and numerate at their levels owing to the failure to provide the right input and resources, including well qualified teachers with the right pedagogy. Mm-hmm. So if you're in class three coach, you have to read class three books, but the majority are reading class one books and a few are doing class two books. Charlie. He observed. 
Again, he says, we said everybody should be computer literate, but if you go to some junior high schools, there are no computers to do anything. Mm. So what are you teaching? Mm. Are you helping them to obtain digital knowledge? He queried. All right. And then, of course, Tepe says we should look at free SHS again and look at the redesign. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, what else are we having this morning? Well, if you go to page 7 of mm-hmm. the Ghanaian Times, planting for food and jobs is there. And the Greek minister says the government has invested more than 2.7 billion cities mm-hmm. into that program in the last five years. Mm-hmm. And he said the investment mainly covered the provision of improved seeds and fertilizers to increase productivity among farmers. He was speaking at the launch of a platform that would seek to strengthen engagement between the government and the private sector to address bottlenecks in the agriculture. Well, a quick update in Parliament. This week, the Interior Minister will brief the House on the Ghana card and uh, the registration process. Mm. But the front page of the Daily Graphic says, Ghana needs righteousness, mm. not churches' leaders. This is coming from the chairman of the Church of Pentecost, Apostle Eric Kwabna He says, what the nation needs are not leaders and churches, but righteousness exhibited by the citizenry through faith. <laughs> All right. In the chambers withdraws as ECOWAS envoy, a few West Africa stories of concern. Mali's sanctions have been withdrawn. Uh, Guinea Bissau's head of state is now the chairman of ECOWAS, which mm. is very, very interesting. Mm. And then Ibn Chambas <laughs> has withdrawn as ECOWAS envoy. We need to be concerned about these issues because the West Africa situation is still very precarious. Oh, yes. So the president uh, handed over as chairman of ECOWAS to the president of Guinea-Bissau over the weekend. Meanwhile, special envoy of ECOWAS to Guinea, Dr. Mohamed Bin Chambas, has communicated his intention to withdraw as mediator to the West African state because we know that Guinea has been involved in a coup and Ejanta has refused an ECOWAS mediator uh, which, which announced a 36-month transition. Then Mali's sanctions have also been yes. be removed. So all of that in the West African state. You know, and, and that comes on the back of um, a World Bank and UN report that had indicated that the sanctions were causing more hardships yeah. in Mali. Uh, so, I'll take you to page 50 mm-hmm. of the Daily Graphic, Bernard. Sanitation levy accrues 196 million Ghana cities. Mm. And according to Timothy Nyengbe's story, the sanitation and policing levy of 10 Ghana pesos per liter on petroleum products has accrued 196 million Ghana cities as of the end of May this year, 15 months into introdu- its introduction. This is coming from the provost of the College of Education at the University of Ghana, Professor Martin Otinia Bebiu, who said that notwithstanding the inflow, there was a bleak future for the country's sanitation sector due to policy failures over the years. All right. Well, if you go to page uh, three of the crusading guide, and price MP is uh, asking local government services to employ and engage the services of legal practitioners in MMDAs. According to him, the move will help minimize and curve the perennial issue of contract and procurement irregularities at the assemblies. And he noted that during their engagements with the assemblies, it became clear that there was a general legal understanding or a lack of general legal understanding in the assemblies. And that situation had led to the numerous irregularities. I wanted to bring you two important stories on social protection on BNFT. Less than 1% of GDP spent on social protection, according to a report by Send Ghana, despite mm. a comparatively strong social protection framework, less than 1% of GDP since 2015 is spent on such interventions. A recently released mirror report by Send Ghana has found. Then 25%, one out of every four SNIT contributors, earns only 500 cities or 500 cities or less. Data from SNIT has shown that a quarter of these contributors are on a basic salary of 500 cities or less a situation which will negatively impact how much they earn. So this is their full salary. So imagine mm. what they will get at the end of their term. According to SNIT, about 434,000 workers who form 25% of the contributors are paid a basic salary 
of 500 cities or less. Mm. This is very troubling. There's an interesting story on P2 of the Herald who residents angry at sale of state land for 41 Ghana cities. Hmm. So there's been public outcry following allegations that state land in the Volta regional capital of who was sold for 41 Ghana cities by the Lands Commission. Hmm. The said land, unless you measure about an acre, is located in an area lo- uh, allocated to the Ghana Meteorological Agency of the Ho Aplau Road. Hmm. Now, according to a joint news report, it has it, uh, it accepted a document covering the lease which indicated the piece of land. Uh, was leased at a cost of 41 Ghana cities monthly for 50 years and not sold. Uh, the Lessee International Diamond Resort Limited hospital, a hospitality company was also directed to pay a premium of 31,200 Ghana cities for the land. Mm. However, on November 11, 2021, another letter was addressed to the company indicating the rent for the land was reduced to 500 Ghana cities <laughs> annually. Meanwhile, the Ghana report is leading with the Kwame Japan story. I blame Rawlings for my father's death, but I hold okay. no grudge. This is the son of one of the three judges met on 30 June 1982. He said even though he blames one president, Rawlings for his father's demise, he holds no grudge against him. And remember, these three justices of the High Court and a retired army officer were kidnapped and killed on June 13, 1982. Justices Frederick Opokusako, and Kwejo and Major Sam Aqua, were among those killed after a revolution staged by the PNDC. Kwame Japon, the son of the late Kwejo E. Japon, has recalled the day with sadness, describing it as the most difficult period of his life as Ghana marked Martyrs Day 40 years after the incident. Well, the Economic Times says the PURC, the Public Utilities Regulatory Commission, mm-hmm. has set a new date for the announcement of mm. its decision mm. on the 2022 to 2027 multi-year major tariff review. All right. Last Friday was the initial date set for the announcement um, of the review of water and electricity tariffs, but for the major interest of Ghanaians, the PURC has extended the date to the 15th. Mm. 15th. So that's just next week mm. or next two weeks. So <laughs> Is we are not really. I don't know. Let me take you abroad, Bernard. Mm-hmm. Inside Africa, mm-hmm. dozens have been freed from a church in Nigeria. Seventy-seven persons uh, rescued from a church in Ondo. Some of them are believed to have been there for months. A police spokesperson said many of them had been told to expect the second coming of Jesus mm. and had abandoned school mm-hmm. to witness the event. You've also given. Uh, you've also yeah, about the, the doctor Ibn Chambers. Yeah, Bloomberg has an interesting story. Mm-hmm. They said Putin's media blitz on Africa food crisis sparks alarm in Europe. Okay. And then a few other stories in that area. War is no excuse for Kenya food crisis, says presidential hopeful. Mm, so they are discussing the uh, uh, the shortage of food in Kenya, and mm. one of the candidates is basically, I'm, I'm checking, I'm just going on the story, is trying to debunk the government claim that they, you know, they also blame Oh, that that would be Ruto. <laughs> yes, so... And then we also told that uh, West Africa's block has eased sanctions on Mali over a democracy plan. That's a story I, I gave you earlier on. And then in New York... So Ruto who is unveiling his manifesto. Yes. And then his rival is Raila Odinga. Yeah. That's going to be a tight race. Yeah, the hustler's manifesto. That's what it's called. No, Ruto says he's a hustler. He represents But he's the vice president. Yes. But you know what's funny? The, his boss is the one who said that Russia's invasion of Ukraine is partly to blame yes. for higher cost of living. But he hasn't spoken to his boss properly in no, over But think about it. It's like an Aka issue. Yeah. So here's a vice president running for president, yet he's debunking what their president has said is the cause of the food crisis. And the cause of the rift is even funny. Are they in the same party? Yes, but now they've changed parties. So there's a new party, something <laughs> Omoja. <laughs> And this is, the East Africa, party now, has this is East Africa's economy. largest economy. Mm-hmm. They have an election in August 9. Yeah. There are two main guys, former President Raila Odinga, slightly, five minutes, former Prime Minister Raila Odinga mm. in the post slightly ahead. But William uh, Ruto, uh, he's the vice president to the current president. Mm. And he says that 
the president's view that it was the Russia that caused the food crisis is not true. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an interesting election. So an election we should keep an eye on. It will be a very, that. very closely run election. Yeah. Um, New York bans guns in public places. There's uh, a shooting in Denmark yes, last over, night. Over the weekend as yeah. well. So um, according to the story, New York State passed a law banning guns from many public places, including Times Square, and requiring gun license applicants to prove their shooting proficiency hmm. and submit their social media accounts for review by government officials. So they're trying to do something about their problem. We'll leave it here. Thank you. That was the newspaper review. This is the City Breakfast Show. The city's biggest conversation. City Business News coming up next, brought to you by Go, your OMC of choice. We keep making life so convenient. We now accept Momo for all your fuel purchases. And you can use your bank card as well. Drive to your nearest gold station, buy your fuel, pay by Momo. The news is also brought to you by Enterprise Life, your advantage, and MTN. Vivian Carlo is here with the news. Good morning. Good morning, Bernard. Coming up, officials of the International Monetary Fund expected to arrive in Ghana on Wednesday to begin negotiations with government. Meanwhile, as we prepare to commence a bill-out program, the former finance minister, Seth Tekbe, has charged government to candidly assess the sustainability of programs like the free senior high school policy. And later, prices at the pumps should tap to one city for diesel and petrol. On the other hand, 60 were extra for a letter. Do stay with us. We begin with the IMF and officials of the fund are expected to arrive in Ghana on Wednesday to begin negotiations with the government. This follows the government's decision to seek support from the fund in the face of difficult economic conditions. Now the team will comprise senior officials from the fund as well as a local staff based here in Ghana. A statement cited by City Business News indicated that the team is expected to meet officials of the finance ministry, the economic management team and the presidency during their one-week stay here in Ghana. Details of the bailout and its conditionalities will then be announced subsequently. Meanwhile, as government prepares to commence talks, former Finance Minister Seth Tekbe has charged the government to candidly assess the sustainability of programs like the Free Senior High School policy. Now, according to him, some of the flagship programs are a drain on government's mere resources. The following report has more. The announcement of plans to commence formal engagements with the International Monetary Fund IMF for the Bretton Woods Institution to provide balance of payment support as part of a broader effort to quicken Ghana's build back in the face of challenges induced by the COVID-19 pandemic and recently the Russia-Ukraine crisis has been met with stiff opposition in some quarters, especially from organizations like the Trade Union Congress, TUC, which fears the Ghanaian worker will be worse off as a result of any program. Some have expressed concern over the possible scrapping of some key government policies to help check government expenditure. In an interview with City Business News on the subject, former finance minister said Tepe urged government to candidly assess some of its key programs. I think the question we should ask ourselves is, do these programs have the right design and are we able to pay for them? We know it. The headmasters have spoken that money is so flowing right into <laughs> these programs. Contractors have spoken that they are not being paid, right? So it's not a question of whether the fund or other is going to, to, you know, to push us. No, it's a question we have to candidly ask ourselves. Is free SHS sustainable in its unfettered form? The head teachers are already telling us that 
you know, they are old. Those who provide food for the uh, students are saying they are old, right? And we don't have access for borrowing to make these payments. That is the reality confronting us. Mr. Tekpa, meanwhile, called for programs like the free SHS to be redesigned. So I think it's a matter of redesign, just as a number of, you know, items are redesigned, just as we redesigned or we made it known to Ghana that we're going to redesign, you know, the, the, the free SHS. And we would have built those schools with Tenfield and Sankofa, and that would have been an alternative. So I don't think the government is being asked for. So we shouldn't put everything at the foot of you know, the IMF, we should be realistic in asking ourselves whether, you know, this was a way forward. Former Finance Minister Seth Tekpe ending that report. Minor Finance Minister Kendall Foyata has challenged leaders on the African continent to question the global financial architecture which leaves African countries exporting natural resources to Western ones for lesser prices and later borrowing funds from them at more expensive rates. He contends that there's no reason why Africa, with all its mineral wealth, should not have its own reserve currency and banks to keep its foreign, its sovereign reserves. Speaking at the Ghana Trade Roadshow, Ken Ofriata said there's a real fight ahead for African leaders to change the narrative. We've looked at our sovereign reserves on a continent basis, and literally if you put, you know, Africa's combined sovereign reserves out there, anywhere between 300 and 500 billion. And uh, when central banks uh, bring us the returns on our reserves, because of the state of the global market, it might be a quarter or three quarters of one or two percent at best. But we go out there and to borrow money at about eight percent. So the fundamental question becomes, why are we not keeping this money on our continent or giving it to the Afri-Exams or the Africa Development Bank so that we have the balance sheet which can be leveraged to do that. And nobody can answer that question, except we take the Western's concept of where one must invest things. And of course, Africa is at the bottom of the pyramid. So we ourselves buy into this erroneous belief that we are not creditworthy. So those become the challenges that we have to confront and ask ourselves, is this a way to build our land? How can we not have a reserve currency, Africa, with all of this gold and mineral resources that we export. Finance Minister Ken Uvariata. Now, prices are the pumps over the weekend. Witness another sharp increase by one city for diesel per liter. Petrol, on the other hand, has seen around 60% increase at some oil marketing companies. This was after similar increments were recorded in the previous month. These rampant hikes have caused the price of fuel at the pumps to more than double after commencing the year at just about 60-45% per liter. Michael Budu in this report explains what is accounting for the latest increase. In March this year, the government announced a review of some of the price build-up on fuel to help cushion Ghanaians from the impact of their frequent increases in prices. 
That intervention expired on the 30th of June, but not all the elements were fully restored. Abbas Tasonti is the head of economic regulation at the National Petroleum Authority. Upon expiry of this period, um, an assessment was done and it was necessary to reinstate the EPPF margin in particular so that the fund can continue to operate and ensure that the smooth transportation of petroleum products from depots to filling stations continues to be done. As we are all aware, it is the EPPF margin that ensures that the cost of war throughout the country remains the same. So we have a unified price of fuel in order for people who are farther away from depots not to pay more for fuel, whilst those who are closer to the depots pay less. So that it is necessary that we instead the EPPF margin for it to continue to do that work. In addition to that, the transporters who are paid from this fund have also complained because the transportation cost has gone up because fuel prices have risen. The nine peso reintroduction is just one of the causes of the recent price hikes. Head of research at the Chamber of Petroleum Consumers, Ghana, Kupek, Benjamin Insia, explains the other factors contributing to the about one Ghana city increase in the price of diesel. The second is the high cost of dollar on the commercial market compared to what the BDCs were getting uh, through the auction policy of the Bank of Ghana. And that also becomes an add-on cost on the petroleum uh, price build-up. Now the third is the BDCs correcting an error earlier observed on the price of petrol because we at COPEC observed that they were selling below what we normally project. And I think the BDCs have rectified this error. And for that matter, this window, we've seen price change on the prices of petrol. So these three factors are the reasons why the petroleum consumer is going to pay more. He, however, added that consumers should brace themselves for more shocks at the pumps if no significant measure is put in place to manage the situation. So until the central bank, through its monetary policy, and the Ministry of Finance, uh, through its uh, fiscal policy puts a coordinated uh, intervention or a coordinated mechanism to make sure that the city appreciates against the dollar. The petroleum consumer locally will continue to be affected by the depreciation of the of the city. And for that matter, uh, prices in future are likely to increase to almost uh, 15 or 16 Ghana cities per liter for each of these products, that is diesel and then petrol. That was a head of research at the Chamber of Petroleum Consumers, Ghana, COPEC, Benjamin Insia, and in that report filed by Michael Ogbodu. Let's now join Gideon Amweniche of Data Bank for the latest updates on the Ghana Stock Exchange. Last week, the Ghanaian stock market saw four price changes made up of two gainers and two decliners. On the gainers list, Access Bank Ghana traded higher by 22 persuades to 2 cities 51 persuades. MTN Ghana moved up by 3 pesos to 90 pesos. On the flip side, New Gold led the decliners list last week, losing 2 Ghana cities to 143 Ghana cities. Gold Ghana followed shedding 1 peso to 1 city 81 pesos. The net effect of the price changes lifted the Ghana Stock Exchange's composite index, reducing its year to date loss to 8.74%. The DSI 20 index similarly closed last week higher, decreasing its year to date loss to 8.21%. Looking ahead this week, Access Bank Ghana is likely to close the week higher due to demand pressure. On the contrary, we expect Total Petroleum Ghana and Ecobank Transnational Incorporated to decline as supply of the stocks outstrip demand. Gideon Amweniche of Data Bank. Well, that's it for the breakfast edition of City Business News brought to you by MTN Goyle and Enterprise Live. Also powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. The business news team returns at 1 o'clock with more business news updates. My name is Vivian Kai Loko. Do have a good business day. 
Join the conversation on the City Breakfast Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag CityCBS. This is the City Breakfast Show, the city's biggest conversation. Later in the morning, we'll be speaking to Information Minister Kojo Opon Kroma. And uh, of course, the big story in Ghana, IMF. If I hear released a statement on Friday, President directed Finance Minister to start formal engagements with the IMF. The IMF is coming to town on Wednesday. So what's going on with government's poster? What's, what are the details of government's plan? We'll deal with that on the show today. We'll find out from the TUC. TUC is not happy at all. They are saying it's a very, very bad decision to go to the IMF. We'll find out from them why they're so unhappy with this. A coalition is also uh, putting itself together to raise some critical issues about how governance is going on. We'll speak to them later on the show as well. So all of that coming up within the next two hours, but it's 13 minutes past 7. Send us your thoughts, 054-998-6996. Actually, yes, 054-998-6996. Kickoff is next. If you're a government worker or a private salary worker, ready to go big with your passion, then Lesheko has big news for you. Just take a new loan from the month of May and August, receive a cashback reward. Apply for our competitive payroll loans and get rewarded big. Visit appform.lesheho.com or call 0577-699923. Lesheho, let's improve life. This is the City Breakfast Show. The city's biggest conversation. So, Benjamin Nketiah is here with Kickoff. Good morning, Ben. Good morning, Bernard. Let's get into the headlines. And CAF pushes back date for AFCON 2023. African Super League set to begin in 2023 as well. And Alexander Jiku wins Footballer of the Year at the Ghana Football Awards. And let's get into the details and the next Africa Cup of Nations will be played in Ivory Coast in 2024 and not 2023. Now, Confederation of African Football CAF President Patrice Motsepe confirmed this on Saturday. Now, the tournament was to be hosted in June, July 2023, which is the height of the rainy season in Ivory Coast. And I quote, we cannot take the risk that the South Africans said in the Moroccan capital, Rabat. Now, with the World Cup in Qatar taking place in November and December, this year, the decision has been taken to postpone the finals rather than bring them forward. Now, it means the Nations Cup will be held in January and February for the second time 
in a row after this year's tournament in Cameroon. Now, in 2017, CAF announced that it would move the finals from their traditional January-February uh, slot to June-July in a bid to avoid repeated disputes with European clubs uh, forced to release players in the middle of the season. So the AFCON uh, slated for Cote d'Ivoire has been moved back to 2024. Let's do more CAF-related news. And the Confederation of African Football CAF is set to hold the inaugural edition of the Super League in August 2023, which will have up to $100 million in prize money. Now, CAF President Patrice Motsepe revealed this on Sunday following an executive committee meeting in Morocco, where a number of issues were discussed, including reverting to a two-legged Champions League and Confederation Cup final. The Super League was mooted by FIFA President Gianni Infantino when he visited uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo for the 80th anniversary celebrations for Lumumbashi-based giant TP Masembe in 2019. Now, while the format of the Super League is yet to be disclosed and how participants will be selected, CAF revealed that participating sites will need to have an academy and also a women's team. So that's what's going on as far as the uh, CAF um, landscape is concerned. Let's get to the Ghana Football Awards because a lot of action happened there over the weekend. Let's get on to uh, who won the Footballer of the Year Award and Alexander Chikuhi was named Footballer of the Year at the 2022 Ghana Football Awards. Now the France-based player came out tops ahead of his fellow Black Stars players Jojo Wallacott, Daniel Mate, Thomas Partey and Southampton defender Mohamed Salisu. Now, Jiku helped Strasbourg finish sixth in the league uh, and also was key uh, in, in Ghana's qualification to the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Grace Asantoa of Real Betis was named Female Footballer of the Year, while the Female Team of the Year was Ampem Dakwa Ladies for winning the Women's Premier League and also the Women's FA Cup. Ampem Dakwa's head coach Joe Nana Adakwa was named the Female Coach of the Year. Now, Kotoko head coach Prosper Nate Ogum picked up the coach of the year for guiding the Porcupine Warriors to the 2021-2022 Ghana Premier League season. He dedicated the award to his players and also the fans of the club. I would like to dedicate this award to the supporters of Kumasi Asante Kotoko. They've been amazing. In good and bad times, they've been very supportive. Very, very supportive. Very, very supportive. They have encouraged me. They have motivated me to be who I am today. And to my players, the technical team and the medical team, I want to tell them the love they have shown me is so amazing. I'm grateful to them. Asante Kotoko head coach Prosper Nate Ogum speaking there. Now the Reds picked up more awards on the night as their chief executive officer Nanayawan Ponsa was adjudged the best club CEO in the country for the second straight year. He advised the football fraternity to invest in grassroots football. I would like to thank the Kotoko Fraternity for the support. Special mention to the National Circus Council, Pocopine Tertiary, Kumapim Group, the Kotoko Ultras, and all the supporters who have been with us through thick and thin. I would like to urge all of you to continue to trust the process. Ten, 12 years ago, in 2010, Ghana was at the World Cup in South Africa, and we made a lot of exploits. Callum Hosinodoy was then nine years old. Tarek Lamte was nine years old. Eddie Nketiah was nine years old. All I want to tell my football people is that let's invest in the youth. 
so that we can continue to grow as a country. I wish you all the best. Thank you very much. Nalayo Amponsa, Chief Executive Officer of Kumasi Asante Kotoko, speaking there. Let's move on to some foreign stuff. And former Liverpool captain Jamie Carragher believes that money was the big difference uh, maker in Mohamed Salah's decision to stay at Anfield. Now, Salah's new deal will see him earn around £350,000 a week and runs through to 2025. According to Carragher, it's important to pay Salah like the rest of the world-class forwards who are in his category. Money. And listen, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. He, you know, Mo Salah has been as good as anybody in the Premier League over the last sort of four or five years. Anyone in European football, certainly in his position. And you'll feel he deserves to be paid as well as those. And we know the type of numbers certain players get at other clubs. Liverpool have never really sort of gone to that level in terms of numbers, certainly under FSG, the other way, and a model. And I think a lot of Liverpool fans respect that because it's brought so much success. Uh, to the club, so we always accept and believe in, in how they go about things, not just with players' contracts, but say, signing players and, you know, certain age and profile types as well. So, I don't think there'd be too much criticism of the club Salah had of left and said that the structure FSG used have been very successful, but I think now and again when you have someone as special as Mo Salah, the rules that you have in place, you have to certainly bend them, maybe not so much break them, but you have to go maybe closer to, you know, a position that maybe you don't want to. Certainly, with a player going into his thirties. You heard former Liverpool captain Jamie Carragher speaking there. Two more um, new signings and uh, Liverpool. Uh, from Liverpool, we go to Newcastle. Their uh, defender is Sven Botman. He's the club's most expensive defender uh, in history after being bought for £35 million from Leo. Uh, he says that the appeal of the English Premier League was the most decisive factor despite having offers from other leagues. At the beginning, I was just uh, focusing on myself uh, with Leo. Um, after the season ended, um, I got him some talks with some clubs, and yeah, Newcastle. I just like the like the Premier League so much, and Newcastle has this project, and is really looking looking bright to the future. Um, yeah, and I saw myself here playing and uh, see myself growing with the club, and I hope to help the club also. Um, but yeah, just the plan and everything around around it was like over overwhelming for me and yeah, super excited to, to play here. Now he also says his price tag will not be a source of pressure as he prepares for life in the EPL. You've become Newcastle United's most expensive defender ever. Does the fee add a mixture of pressure or excitement and motivation for yourself? Well, at the end, it's like the transfer market at the moment is very, uh, yeah... Um, strange and a lot of uh, money uh, clubs are paying a lot of money for players at the moment uh, so yeah that's nothing to do with me at the end I want to help the club and play my best uh, for the club and uh, develop myself also here at the club in, in this beautiful league 
Let's move on to some other news. And Cristiano Ronaldo wants Manchester United to let him leave the club if they receive an appropriate offer for him this summer. Now, the Portuguese forward, who's 37 years old, returned to Old Trafford from Juventus last summer. However, while he was United's top scorer last season and the third in the Premier League, the overall campaign was seen as a big disappointment. United finished sixth in the Premier League, so missed out on Champions League qualification, which means that Ronaldo, who has a year left on his contract plus an optional year, faces the possibility of playing in the Europa League for the first time. Now, it is not something he is viewing um, with release. According to the five-time Ballon d'Or winner, he feels that options are out there for him. And so, if United receive a good offer, they should accept it and let him move on. So, Man United are at the crossroads with Cristiano Ronaldo. And finally, just before we go, let's do some basketball before we go. New Orleans Pelican star Zion Williamson, he has agreed a five-year, $193 million designated maximum rookie extension that could see him earn as much as $231 million. That's what his agents have said. And so Zion, $193 million uh, for five years is what he has signed with the Pelicans. That's all for this morning's edition of Kickoff. My name is Benjamin Inketia. Kickoff was brought to us by Le Sheho, the small sports at citysportsonline.com. Join the conversation on the City Breakfast Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag CityCBS. This is the City Breakfast Show, the city's biggest conversation. Mm, have you forgotten? Simple things of life that made us who we are. Mm-hmm. Have you missed the word? The hour of prayer. The hour of prayer. From our lucky. And grief, my soul often found that relief. Escape their tempers and snare. My strength is the power of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer. From our world of care. Sweet hour of prayer.
Just have some faith, oh yeah, have some faith. I cast on Him my every care, my doubts, my shivers and fears. I have the courage to be anywhere and wait on the hour of prayer. See how of Seven thirty-three City Breakfast Show. From our world of and if you're looking for a soap-only shop, look no further than the soap shop. From our Join our family of monthly soap box subscribers and receive all your monthly soap and detergent needs in the comfort of your home. Sally, you won't believe hey. the, the the assortment of soaps. Yeah. I was at their place on Saturday. My brother. Brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely. Nivea, Avino, Dr. Teals, Ole, Neutrogena, Irish Spring, Cassins, Share Moisture, Domestos, Morning Fresh, you name it. I've got some conditioner be that you used to wash your clothes. The one you use it, it smells from 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 powerful. <laughs> it's really really awesome. So two two things you can do. You can either call them zero five five eight four one three five one. Even soaps for allergies, they have them. And then you can also go to their shop at the Trinity Baptist Church building alongside the UPSA road. Or follow them on it's, IG. It's just on that UPSA road now. If yeah, people yeah. are wondering, it's the it same is. place that they have. Um, the bread boutique the yeah. so the bread boutique the is the next everything yeah, that one. you need that the money is there <laughs> <laughs> you know you know the U, but you know UPSA has changed that economy as well mm. so universities change economies oh, U, yes. UPSA has changed that because I, I know that area very well there's a sort of like a, a whole semi housing accommodation thing happening around UPSA yeah. they're expanding the road a few fuel stations are coming in and then there's also a few churches around and a lot of shops as the UPSA economy booms so that's that of Medina so you can also go to IG on uh, the soapshop.gh for more information alright so what I want to start with is my, my personal problem um, so I don't remember the last time I filled my tank and my tank is not <laughs> even more than 2 liters it's a big tank so every time I go to the fuel station, in the past I used to buy 300 or okay. 250, and it used to comfortably get to the top of the car. Now it's around half of the tank. So the reason I want to start the show with this interview is that on Thursday, there was a report that fuel prices were going to come down marginally by 4%. Only for me to go to the pump to find out that the thing has actually gone up. So I'm calling Duncan Amwa to explain what's happening because last week, People from IES, which is not where he works, but they, they did a prediction that the thing was coming down. So was it that they lied to us or what's going on? Duncan, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Bernard, and thanks for having me. So last week, your, uh, your sister organization did uh, a report and said fuel prices were to come down by 4%. Even though it wasn't a lot, you wanted to take it like that. 
But this weekend, when I went to the pumps, actually the thing had gone up. So what are your your calculations telling you about how much a, a liter is going or a, pet, a gallon is going for? Well, Bernard, um, I yes, were not wrong um, with the projection they made. Um, what changed, unfortunately, was the intervention, uh, if you recall, somewhere in March, late part of March, uh, the finance minister had gone to parliament um, to talk of certain uh, fiscal measures that they were going to undertake to make life a bit easier. Uh, prior to that, we had had meeting, a meeting with the finance minister and his deputies, two of them, uh, the energy minister present and his deputy DNPA, uh, and then the bulk oil distributors. Uh, at the third meeting, we were looking for about 60% uh, reduction in, in taxes uh, overall. Uh, but the finance minister came to do about 15 pesos in margins, not taxes, Bernard. Uh, the NPA, unfortunately, the I mean, the past week decided to restore uh, the margins that had been uh, chopped off, uh, totaling 15 pesos, uh, i.e. the UPPF, uh, which took about 7 pesos uh, shave and a couple of the others that have amounted to about 15% have now been uh, fully restored. And so that might explain why, uh, instead of the reduction that we probably could have gotten, uh, the pumps are rather recording, you know, an increase. I had a little briefing with one of the major OMCs um, as late as Friday, and the numbers were looking at, you know, some cross uh, pricing happening where uh, petrol had uh, declined, but diesel had gone up. And so it was our hope and expectation that if nothing at all, uh, prices would stay uh, so that instead of uh, decreasing the rate uh, for fuel, for petrol or gasoline, and then increasing for diesel, uh, they could cross out uh, the two and still probably give us uh, some few reductions here and there. But unfortunately, uh, what came from the NPA is a restoration of whatever um, little bit that the finance minister uh, did, which was to last for three months. And so as we speak, all taxes are back to their optimum levels, all margins, uh, their optimum levels, and that is what is probably accounting for what you are seeing at the pumps, Bernard. Wow. So what is the average price for diesel and petrol at the pumps? Do, do you have that number? Uh, Bernard, if you do what the, some of the major OMCs have done now, uh, with diesel now shooting to about 14 city 56, uh, petrol doing a little above 12 Ghana cities. Um, you're probably averaging about 13 Ghana cities a liter for both of the two products. Uh, I have indicated that we are actually in a crisis. Unfortunately, uh, the IMF debate has taken <laughs> the front burner. And so whilst government is probably looking at the IMF, 
the truck show driver this morning will be crying bitterly because what he used to pay last week, uh, he won't pay same anymore uh, as of this morning. Uh, those are very critical issues, and I'm happy that uh, platforms like yours uh, continue to keep an eye on petrol. It is what, uh, for some of us, is driving uh, the inflationary pressures that we have currently. And I think uh, it was not too good, too timely for a restoration of all these taxes that uh, has just been done last week. It simply is going to compound the problems we have at the pumps. And, uh, so so let me just get it straight. Even that, though globally there have been a few, uh, uh, there have been some, or there has been some reduction in the price of the, the products, the decision to reverse the UPPF um, uh, sort of uh, thing they did has offset that. So whereas we should be, we should have been paying a bit less for the product, we're actually paying more than we were before the announcement. Yes, simply put, Bernard, you get it correctly. So all taxes are at their optimum, all margins are at their optimum as we speak. And uh, if you add a little of the currency pressure, you are simply not getting any reduction. And uh, that is where we are. But I'm quite certain that not every one of them is probably going to go up. But for the other majority of Ghanaians who probably will use some of these major uh, oil marketing companies, you simply have to pay more than you paid last week, simply because we have restored all the taxes, all the margins. And we don't find that very... Uh, pleasant. That's interesting. And, th- and this comes just a day or two after your, your demonstration. So that's quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Bernard, uh, I do think that this morning, uh, the civil societies across the country, all of them, uh, together are having a press conference at the Coconut Group Regency. And I'm certain that uh, these are very, very germane matters, uh, which also uh, is attracting almost everybody. And I'm certain that the civil societies would also hit uh, the streets in no time because clearly uh, the very things that should keep Bernard and everybody else running in the country, uh, it's keeping us aground whilst things continue to go up. And so something would still be done. And I'm certain uh, the demonstration would only, uh, by a rise, Ghana would only open uh, the doors for a lot more of the pressure uh, groupings uh, to also take to the streets. Things are very tough uh, right. as we speak. Th- thank you for talking to us. That was Dan Kanamua, Chamber of Petroleum Consumers. So, fuel prices have gone up and uh, this is because the UPPF, uh, let me just read the story. The MPA announced that it was restoring the full UPPF margin on petroleum products. Now, the announcement was made to place in the industry on Thursday the 30th and that um, this, this was because the period for the reduction of the margin had expired and therefore the sixth month, this started in March I think or I think February somewhere so it expired and therefore they've, they've gone back to the full UPPF. Alright, uh, let me just wish a couple of people a quick happy birthday before I do my next interview. That will be with the TUC. But uh, today is the birthday of a few people. Happy birthday to Mrs. Gifty Owari Abuaji. 
Deputy Executive Director of National Service Secretary from Dominic Pobi. Also, Kwabena Ousu Mensa Esquire, blessed happy birthday. We love him so much from his siblings, Nana Yanting, uh, Nana Ya Kofi Amma, Kinsley, and all the nieces and nephews. Uh, happy birthday to my wife, Efia Kunedu Anafu. I love you to the moon and back. Seram Setonam and Selinam send their wishes as well. Have a blast, dear. Uh, a few more coming yep. in. Uh, I have one here. Belated happy birthday to Priscilla Dazi mm-hmm. of uh, Peno Rita. Uh, yesterday was her birthday, so we wish her the very best. That's coming from uh, Georgina, uh, who's wishing her friend a uh, belated happy birthday. And then a couple of people wishing Kabute, the MC, a happy birthday. Uh, um, he's 42 years old today, coming in from Fatima. And also, happy birthday to Baba, CEO of Goba Kente. Stay blessed, stay beautiful from Kamshi with love. Uh, our very good friend Philip Pashon is wishing his wife Doreen. He says, Happy birthday to my wife and everything. All right. Doreen Ashon. And also, today is oh, my name is Abuzu's birthday, apparently. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you wanted oh. to miss this one? Oh, oh, you wanted to miss oh, this Peter. one? <laughs> yes, oh, Peter. 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 Peter, oh, Peter. Today is yeah. Peter's birthday. Chairman, happy birthday, Chairman too. Peter. Chairman Peter, happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday to Rajua Asari of the Ghana Publishing Company from Ben Kweku Asari. And uh, yesterday was our own Benjamin Nketiah's birthday. Beno. The fundamental. The fundamental. Drama queen. I tell you. I tell you. <laughs> Alrighty. Now this year we celebrate Nizan's 70th anniversary. And uh, the Nizam Patrol, uh, the, the Nizam Patrol is 70 actually. It's remained one of the most loved and respected SUVs, having earned its reputation in the scorching heat of deserts, rugged mountain slopes, and modern city streets. And to celebrate this milestone, Japan Motors is offering amazing freebies on every Nizam Patrol you purchase. Get a free 12 month service plan, four vouchers, MacBook Air. An iPhone 13 Pro, etc., while cruising in the best SUV ever. You can give them a call on 0244-338-393 or visit their showrooms for a test drive. And the promo is valid until the mid of August. Japan Motors, driven by excellence, T's and C's apply. And Shell salutes the kings of the road, the trotter drivers, the taxi drivers, truck and bus drivers. They send out their greetings. Shell says them day your side, meaning you won't journey alone because we've got Shell Fuel Safe designed to last longer and make your hustle more rewarding. Don't settle for just any fuel. Make the best choice you can make by getting Shell Fuel Safe. Visit your nearest Shell station today. Join the Shell Club. Enjoy the fuel that takes care of your car so you can make more to take care of yourself, your family, and your big dreams. Shell. Uh, <laughs> All right, Shell, go well. All right, Star Assurance is saying that everybody's searching for convenience, and with Pokeye, gives you just that. Pokeye is a virtual assistant from Star Assurance. She gives you the ability to be anywhere and still purchase or renew your motor insurance at any time. You can chat with Pokeye today on WhatsApp number zero two four two four three six one six zero. Or dial uh, short code star seven star seven one three star two 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 hash and enjoy a smooth and quick service. Star Assurance, your solid partner. Back on the line, the TUC is not happy at all. They sent a press statement uh, 
yesterday a strongly worded letter to the president disagreeing with the decision to go to the IMF. I'm going to speak to the director of research and policy for the TUC, Komnanya Kumutu, on this. But I just wanted to read a few highlights of the statement. Commencement of formal engagement with the IMF is the header of the letter. On July 1, the Minister of Information released an official statement from to inform Ghanaians that President Akufuado had directed the Minister of Finance to commence formal engagement with the IMF, inviting the fund to support an economic program put together by the government of Ghana. The statement further underlined Cabinet's endorsement of the decision by the President to seek IMF support. The Trade Union Congress considers this decision by government a tragic mistake hey. and a sad one for Ghana. And then they said this will be the 18th time our country's economy will be handed back to the IMF to manage. It's very sad because it's a clear indication that we cannot manage our own affairs. Kobnanyakuo to doctor is the director of research of the TUC. He's on the line to tell us why they are so unhappy with this. Good morning, Doc. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. You describe the decision to engage the IMF for the 18th time as a tragic mistake. What are the reasons why you are so unhappy? Okay, thank you for having me. And um, I think uh, if you read the entire statement, the reasons are clear. But even in the line you just read, to go to the IMF 17 time, wanting to solve um, development problem and having failed to do that, uh, trying to go there the 18th time uh, means that you are trying to do the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So we do not think that even though we fully acknowledge the problems uh, this country is going through, emanating from global developments and all that, we think that the IMF has no durable, lasting solutions to our problems. And the 17th time that we have been there clearly demonstrates that it has no um, tools, no mechanism to help us um, go over the underdevelopment that is hurting the people of Ghana. Mm. So going there the 18th time isn't the solution. There's a very interesting paragraph of your letter. Paragraph 3 says, We fully acknowledge the impact of global development on Ghana's economy. At the same time, the current state of the economy suggests that the robust economy government claimed to have built, and that's my emphasis, claimed to have built before the pandemic was not resilient enough it must have been on a foundation of straw, quote-unquote. Again, emphasis mine, because this is a quote that Dr. Baumia used in 20-something. It must have been on a foundation of straw, but Ghanaians were told that our economy was strong and stable. What are you trying to say? What we are trying to say is that any time you go to the IMF, we get some semblance of stability for a short period of time. And then we carry on and um, kind of give everybody the impression that, oh, because we went to the IMF, things are okay. But we know that in the last few years, we've never been able to build an economy that can withstand any kind of shock. So there are, there are many countries in the world today that are suffering. But there are also many others that have built strong, resilient economies that are able to withstand headwinds. Our economy and the figures we turn out, GDP growth, uh, inflation, exchange rate, they've all in the end not been able to withstand any headwind. And that point we are saying is that it's 
the economists are not as robust as we claim they are. And that I see. To- I think the question then becomes, what is the alternative? Because as you might be aware, the government has been closed out of the international market, so we can't borrow. Not not to say borrowing is great, but obviously the international bond market where we've been getting money, they've closed us out. Our bonds are not doing well there. Their rates are too high. According to somebody close to government, the E-levy has not generated what the government was expecting. Our deficit is still high. Debt to GDP is over 83%. So what is the alternative to going to the IMF? So, So, I mean, if I go by the logic, it means that any time we are unable to borrow, uh, we will go into this situation. Okay. The alternative is for us to start a national conversation on the economy. Properly diagnose all that is wrong with the economy and try to rally all Ghanaians, including all the social forces, the political party, to try to solve the problems our own way. The alternative in 2015 was to go to the IMF, and it didn't help. And prior to that, the alternative was to go there the same time. It hasn't helped. The alternative is to solve the problem from within. And to be able to do that, you need to have a national conversation going, involving all the actors, involving all the social forces, involving all the political parties, to truly identify the problem, what we need to be doing, uh, what sacrifices we need to be doing on or across the earth to be able to, um, to claw back the challenges, to be able to, add, uh, to, to, to solve the challenges that we face. The IMF, we are, uh, the, the way to the IMF is just going for some quick sector. But the major fundamental problems of this economy will remain intact. And as you indicated in the statement, we, we, we do think that uh, going this way means that a 19th, 20th, and 21st approach to the, uh, to the IMF can be avoided. Because we do not, we, we are not likely to implement the policies that will make sure that we build a robust, a truly robust and resilient economy that will be able to withstand global headwinds. And is that a problem of the IMF for the government? It is both. You see, you should also remember, for example, that even when we say we have exited the IMF, we have we seem to have become so addicted to IMF policy. So we continue to have an economic management system built on managing inflation, built on managing a stain rate, built on uh, overly liberalized trade regime. So even when we are building one district, one factory, we do nothing to protect and to support, actively support those industries to be able to manufacture domestically. Look at our import bills. On a monthly basis, our import bills are in the range of $3 billion per month. This is obviously not sustainable. We aren't earning that much to be able to cover that kind of import. And that is what you see in the declining exchange rate. What we need to do is a regime that builds a robust domestic manufacturing base and make sure that we do not have to import everything into this country. And to be able to do that, you, ca- you can't do that with IMF policy. You need internally um, agreed policies that offer protection to business, 
that makes sure that you do not have this useless interest rate you currently have. That makes sure that we are actively supporting businesses to manufacture, to create jobs, and to diversify this economy away from natural resources. All right. Finally, where does this leave your COLA request? Because I think a week prior to this letter, you had written a nice letter to the president that you are looking for COLA for all, almost all public sector workers, cost of living allowance. Now that we've gone to IMF, what are your, how optimistic are you that this COLA matter will be addressed? In fact, it makes the case for COLA even more urgent. <laughs> Rather. You know that, come again. I said rather, because you know that when the IMF comes on board, there's lots of cuts. So, you, you think it makes your cola more urgent? Yes, it does. Those lots of cuts means that our members, Ghanaians, will suffer more from IMF program. And as we indicated towards the end of our statement, this time around, we will do what unions do. We will protect employment of our members. And we will make sure that their real incomes are not depleted. This is what we'll do. So it makes the cola demand a little bit more urgent. And we will rally all the forces we have, all the tools we have in our arsenal to make sure that we get the cola. And to make sure that we shield workers from the harmful, needless effects of IMF policies and programs. All right, thank you for your time. That was Dr. Kobnan Yakoto. He's the Director of Policy and Research for the TUC. Two minutes to eight. Now, if you're having challenges with your insurance company, you need to speak to the Ghana Insurance Association. They are, that association has set up the Complaints Management and Advice Bureau to settle all issues between insurance users and their companies. You can reach out to them by dialing star 800 star 442 hash or call them to free on 0800 442 000 or WhatsApp on 0552 You can send an email complaints at ghanainsurance.org.gh. Now, Creamy Plus Evaporated Milk takes you back to the original creamy taste of evaporated milk. And it's a great compliment for your tea, coffee, Gary Sokins, Mashke, and all your cereals. And it contains essential vitamins in uh, and with vegetable fat, yes. And it's gentler on the stomach. I can confirm that for you. Get your day started with the creamy experience of Creamy Plus in your tea or coffee. And jazz up your nightcap with the creamy taste of Creamy Plus Evaporated Milk. You can get it in all girl shops, bachelor's, total, and other supermarkets. Or if you want it to buy, want to buy it in large quantities, call Less Farm Distributors at Medina Ritz Junction on 0501-682-522 or Grace has found us at Akoko Photo Dan Suman on 0245-162-747. Now, beginning today, all Pedro and Citroen users who uh, can visit any Silver Star Auto Workshop in Accra and Makumasi and enjoy free diagnosis of their vehicles and a 15% discount on spare parts and service delivery. All of this ends on the 29th of July. So please book your spot now. Silver Star Auto, your trusted partner. 8 o'clock, time for Tech and Social Media Trends and it's brought to us by Carl Bank. And in, yeah, yeah. Carl Bank is saying thinking for your business is still thinking until you act. If you have a business... Call them on 0800-500-500 and get your business sorted. Cow Bank for it together. Daniel Cranting is joining us.
Tech and Social Media Trends Monday. Good morning, Danny. Good morning, Bernard. Uh, E-Levy is in the trends. Uh, IMF is also in the trends. This is a fallout from Friday's news that Ghana is going through. Um, the IMF for a bailout. So um, E-Levy is trending because uh, over the weekend... Um, there were members from uh, sections of the government that uh, the refusal to pay E-Levy is also part of the problem. And people are essentially saying that uh, whatever the case, they will still not pay. That's the general um, sentiment on social media. And Sawam is also trending. Mm. Um, the MP from Sawam, Adwajiri Frankano, Don Pre, he's mm-hmm. been on Twitter. Um, he's been very active over the weekend. What's he um, saying? Yeah, he was uh, monitoring and inspecting some road constructions in this area. He says uh, the Insawan Pakro Road is under construction. Mm-hmm. He said the Insawan Adwadri Road is also under, uh, under construction. He had a number of people tweeting at him, asking him what was going on with the construction. So he visited the place himself, mm-hmm. and he was dropping videos and pictures of updates of the construction. Ronaldo is also in the trends. Uh, mm-hmm. On Saturday, he dropped the bomb. Uh, 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 what was he saying? He said he wants to go. He wants to do what? He wants to leave. And do what? Why? Uh, because United are not serious. They are not showing ambition. Is that what he said? He said the United are not serious. Yes, Tell me what showing, he said. They are not showing ambition. Is that what he said? That's what is that Champions League? No, it has nothing to do with Champions League. He says United are not showing ambition in the transfer market, so he wants to go. Yo. Let me do that. You see where he ends up. Yeah, Bayern is calling. Chelsea is also calling. Um... Tech news. Mm. Now, the British Army, mm-hmm. their Twitter and YouTube accounts were hacked over the week. Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, videos of cryptocurrency <laughs> and images of a, a billionaire businessman in Twitter, uh, Muna Elon Musk, they were just splashing on their YouTube channel oh, and their Twitter, promoting cryptocurrency and NFTs. Mm. Uh, but I know now, the modern day war is not even weapons, so it's now cyber. Mm-hmm. So it's a serious situation. Yeah. If the British Army can be hacked, who is safe? That was taking Shamida trends. This is the City Breakfast Show. The city's biggest conversation. Before it has been said that men are a man or a woman vow the vow for not right. No scissors nor razors shall be upon his head as this is said by the kings of kings and lords of lords or imperial majesty in Peralia and Salazia. Yeah.
Nine minutes past eight. City breakfast show. Culture. Babylon a weep. It's been a tough year, but we at Kimo Home want to play our part in helping you complete your building project. Kimo is offering you 20% discount on all your sanitary wear and kitchen set from now until 20th July. Locate Kimo showroom on the Spintex Road near Manet Junction. Harry Wild stocks last. Call 0244-030411. This is the time when children and fathers You may call or WhatsApp 0244-0304-11 Or 0244-334-947 Alright, so Information Minister Kujo Ponkrumah He's also MP for Fwasi Ayurebi He's in the studio And uh, he's going to tell us uh, Why Ghana has made a sharp U-turn In asking the Finance Minister to meet the IMF I wanted to play you something the Finance Minister said In Tamale in February he was asked a question about IMF. This was during the E-Levy Road Show. Listen to him. But I can tell you, as um, uh, my colleague, um, Deputy Minister, said, we are not going to the IMF. Whatever we do, we are not. The consequences are there. We are a proud nation. We have the resources. We have the capacity. Don't let anybody tell you. Like when Joshua, Caleb, and, Go- and the ten others went to spy on the promised land. And only two of them came to say that we can do it. And the ten went around the community, murmuring, you can't, da 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 da. We are not people of short sight, you know. And we have to move on. Okay. So let's think of us as who we are a proud, strong people, the shining star of Africa. And we have the capacity to do what we want to do. If only we can speak that one language and show that we better share in the issues ahead. Thank you very much. So that was in February. This was the line repeated throughout the, the year. Indeed, as of two weeks ago, when the uh, minister went to parliament to answer the 16 questions, he left before the question was put. But that question was asked of the deputy and he repeated the point that we were not going to go to the IMF. And there were a few other people who, who said the same thing. So we had uh, people like uh, the Minister of Information himself, uh, who has been quoted in previous times about going to the IMF, and I'll bring you that voice later on. But we've had people like Professor Stephen Nade, we've had Stephen Amwa. A lot of them have said, look, there's no point in going to the IMF for peanuts when you have um, the E-Levy. So that's the, the other issue. So today we're just going to find out what led to the U10. Minister of Information in the studio. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Bernard, morning. How are you doing? I'm okay. Fantastic. So you signed the statement. Yeah. So you are at the center of all of this. Am I? Um, the, the statement came on Friday at midday. Yeah, just around 11 thereabouts. And cabinet is on Thursday. Yeah. So we are assuming the decision was taken at cabinet. Yes. I see. Was it unanimous? Is it, is it something you can share? Um. Yes, I, I, I can share because it's, um, it's not in breach of my cabinet oath. It's in line with uh, the normal requirements of my work. Mm. Uh, for a decision like this, you would have different views, especially uh, as you have even played earlier, when um, we as a political tradition have been very articulate uh, on the NDC administration's going for a balance of payment um, supported program uh, from the fund. Uh, 
And, for example, the finance minister, senior government officials have been very articulate that we will not go to uh, the fund if only we can speak that one language and burden share. So you'd imagine that the debates will be heated. That's why you see people sweating even when their conditioner is on. Mm-hmm. But in the end, um, the president is the um, one who has ultimate responsibility. So he hears his finance minister who is in charge of fiscal policy very well. He hears the Bank of Ghana team that is handling monetary policy. He hears all of them. He listens to all the other economists and all the other advisors. And then he makes that decision and says, I've heard everybody. But I think that looking at all the data you have given me, and remember earlier in the week I told you that we we're starting a series of assessments. Looking at all the data you have given me mm-hmm. and looking at the forecast, I want you to start engaging the fund now. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, I agree that the fund is not a single bullet to answer all the questions that we have. Mm-hmm. But uh, if they can come in and support the program that you have put on the table. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it was a two-pronged decision. Mm-hmm. You either execute your own enhanced economic program by yourself mm. or you do it with the fund. Mm-hmm. And in the end, the president made that decision and um, we've started so, putting so in place. The, pro- if I understand the you, there were different views expressed. As expected, yeah. But it was the president's decision. Yes, it supported by cabinet. So in the As end, a collective. Yes, so in the end, uh, when the president calls the shot, uh, cabinet has an opportunity to disagree with him um, or to affirm the position and the arguments that he has, uh, you know, summed up. And in the end, president makes decision, cabinet supports that decision. So you notice that the statement conveyed all three. The president has decided, has, has authorized the finance minister, cabinet has supported that decision. We move. The Herald reports today that the vice president was not in favor and is not being part of the sensitive economic decisions being taken. We know the vice president by um, convention is the head of the economic management team. And in fact, when IMF teams come into the country, they will typically meet a vice president as well. Yeah. So is this correct? It's a collective decision. People may express different views uh, before or during, but in the end, when that decision is made, uh, I have not heard anybody extricate himself from it and say that I am not part of this. Mm. But in terms of the finance minister leading the, the delegation, if you listen to him carefully in February, he said the consequences are dire. Yeah. So he, he, he it appe- it's not even appeared, it's quite clear that he deeply resents having to go and meet the IMF. Because... Well, not having to go to meet the IMF, but having to go to the IMF for a balance of payment program. Because I think we must distinguish the fact that we are members of the fund. In fact, just last year, we took a billion dollars from the fund. Yes. So it's not about going to meet the fund, generally. Yes, it's yes. about going for... Um, a balance of payment, payment program. program. Yes. Okay. Now, a BOP program comes with some conditionalities. Yeah. And a lot of finance ministers all over the world or in places where finance ministers are just managing the treasury, the ministers for the economy will tell you that Whenever you go for these programs that come with conditionalities, they limit your ability to mm-hmm. uh, spend on what you consider as your own priorities. Mm. And therefore, you find a lot of finance ministers not being in support um, of that. But when you look at all the data as available to us now and the uh, constraints that we find ourselves in, the fund being requested to come in to support our bigger program uh, is the way to go. And that's why, despite anybody's personal initial views, mm. when the boss calls the shot, and gives the instructions, we go. But the man who sits at the top of the economic decision-making by the president is the Minister of Finance. And I'd say, and I said, and the points he made were not his personal views. 
because this was official engagement on the e-levy. Yeah. And based on the data available to yeah. him, he says, we will not go to the IMF for BOP support. The consequences are dire. We have the capacity. Yeah. We are proud people. We can do it ourselves. Yeah. Based on all the information available to him. Yeah. And as late as a week to this announcement, this was still the position. Yeah. So three things. Actually, the man who sits at the top of economic policy is the president. He takes ultimate responsibility for it. Mm. Management on a day-to-day basis, the vice president and the EMT will handle it. Fiscal policy Mm. in particular, Mm. income expenditure debt management sits with the finance minister. Mm. Secondly, the finance minister went on to say in Tamale that, and all that you've said is true, then he says, if only we can speak that one language and burden share, what have been the facts in our effort to get that one language and burden sharing. The facts are that the domestic program that he rolled out in 2021, which was aimed at ensuring that we are able to do this on our own, that domestic program has suffered a number of challenges. And as you look at the challenges that the domestic program has suffered, and you look at the pressures that are continuously building, the man who takes the ultimate responsibilities of the view that, listen, we cannot wait you need to start talking to the fund. Let's open a window so that with this broad program that you've put out there, even mm. if your domestic resources are gradually ramping up and they are not there yet, we are not caught wanting by the time some of our obligations are due. But in respect of the balance of payment program being pitched as an alternative to the e-levy, again, the question was asked because that was the impression yeah. we had, which yeah. I think is correct because yes. apart from the minister, yes. other senior, the GRE, Board Chairman, Professor Day also said, yes. why go to the IMF for peanuts when you have e-levy that yes. you can raise a lot of money? That's correct. So now that we have decided to go for a BOP with the IMF, does that mean that the e-levy gets it's off the table? Off the table. So two things. Whenever you introduce a revenue measure, it takes a while for it to hit its optimal level. More so with the e-levy where, one, right from day one, you acknowledge that you have loopholes that need to be plugged from about the 1st of July. I think that was a clear announcement that was made right from the very beginning. So you were not expecting that it was going to ramp up everything um, that was due in the shortest possible time. Number two, e-levy has been heavily bastardized right from the very beginning. So a lot of people are finding ways of also evading it. You put all of those together, and though on paper you are confident that this is a good instrument, like Professor Adai said, uh, to mobilize the domestic resources, you put all of that together. And the reality is that you are not, in these first two months, getting as much as you desire. You're going to have to give it room to get to optimal level. You're going to have to plug some of the loopholes with the GRA started working on so that you can get the full value of what you are looking for. But you cannot wait that until you have that done, you are uh, closing all other windows because... There are pressures and expectations that are building. We have obligations down the line, and we need to prepare for it. Treasury managers will tell you that if you are, let's say, due to retire a bond or retire a payment on a particular day, you don't wait for that day before you start mobilizing resources to go pay. You start building the necessary buffers and uh, reserves so that by the time it's due, you're able to pay. We have a lot of um, external debt obligations, which have escalated because of the Mm. depreciation of the city. Mm. Some of them are in large single bullets. Mm. And you cannot say that while you are waiting for um, uh, E-Levy to hit optimal, Mm. uh, you won't take any other options available. By the way, at the same time, Mm -hmm. the international capital markets option, which is part of our program, 
uh, is working. We've currently put a billion dollars before Parliament to approve and accept so that we're able to build up those reserves, mm. uh, those buffers, so that we are not found wanting by the time some of our obligations are due. But two points there. Yeah. So the, the fact that uh, tax policy takes a while to get to optimal level is known to everybody, True. which is why it was either misguided or irresponsible to pitch the e-levy against the IMF. Because the point you just made is not a new discovery. We all know that when you come up with a tax policy, it will take a while for it to get yeah. to optimal. We've done only yeah. two, two or three months. So to go around the country telling people that if you pay e-levy, you won't go to IMF and try and appeal to our pride as a people and then come back and say, well, we didn't get what we said we'll get from e-levy, therefore we are going to IMF, either questions the judgment of the person or his honesty. So go back. Why did uh, those, um, may I say, town hall meetings even become escalated at a point? Because four months after mm. this theory was supposed to come into practice, Mm-hmm. It was still hanging because of some of the scenarios that were ha- you know, happening in Parliament. Mm. You remember that in this country, you put fiscal policy and economic policy and monetary policy before Parliament by November. Mm. And you'd expect it to be passed by November, December. Why? So that it can begin to pick up and hit optimal levels by the time you are getting to the end of first quarter, etc. E-Levy was a scenario in which you put it before Parliament in November. It took about four months down the line for it to be passed. Mm-hmm. And then for you to now get the, uh, because it's now been passed and you're sure it's going to happen, for you to now start putting in place Mm -hmm. uh, the systems. And then you still had the loopholes that you projected that you will fix by the 1st of July. Mm. So it's been the exception, not the norm. Number two, even after it was passed and it is gradually making its way up the ladder, the window available to us, which would have ordinarily ensured that we don't Mm. find ourselves here, literally has been closed, if not just limited. And I'm talking about the capital markets window, which would have given you an opportunity to have some liquidity and ensure, therefore, that you will still be able to mm. rely on your domestic mm. um, you know, strategy has been closed. And it's been closed for two reasons. One, we've been downgraded. Two, the kind of obstruction we are facing when it comes to getting fiscal policy passed or tax policy or revenue policy through uh, is unprecedented. Even today, the $1 billion part of the domestic program, which we put in the budget, put before Parliament, got um, approval for, that is before Parliament today. We are being told that it will not be approved. If that is not approved, even your domestic answers, you forget about IMF, even your domestic answers to on your own, mm. go to the capital markets and raise a billion to show up currency, avoid uh, further depreciation of the CD, meet your international obligations, mm. is significantly hampered. And so these are the challenges for which reason the president hears everybody and says, yeah, I've heard you. It's not about your honesty or dishonesty. I've heard you, Mm -hmm. but I want you to open that window. You yourself, on uh, the point of view, said that uh, you you, you yourself did that equivalence. So just to point out to this, that it was not only Professor Ade and Co. It was actually you yourself said that if we pay E-Levy, we won't go for IMF. So... Um, I wanted to play something you said on a different radio station. Please this is do. on Asempa FM. Please do. And this it was a, f- a while back. Report, you know. And in that Moody's report, you know, they seem to put a whole lot of premium on the IMF choir, choir, you know, and the discipline that comes with it. I am sweet me, me, tea, all the benchmarks are your free and who benefit now. This is here, yeah, you know. That's a fair point. With that, wouldn't you? Probably credit the administration to take a decision to go to IMF. Administration now or read now money card. Ah, or do a mining kujar. 
IMF no. So what should we credit him with? Or read na man ne ka do pay na fi o dey e ko IMF no. That is what mood is. But why do you have to in the first place who bury na man ne ka do pay na fi o wea o ka say okay but me read na man ka do pay we me do ko IMF. Inti clap for me for taking you to the IMF. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. So that was uh Asempai FM and for those of you don't understand she he basically was uh what's the name of the guy? Obi was asking Kujo whether the previous administration should be credited for the macro stability no, at the no, time. No, 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 please play you, you, again. You, you he says me. whether the previous administration should be credited for going to the fund. No, no, he says because the report said that it was going to the fund that brought the macro stability. Yes, yes. that's, yes, that's and a then you said the administration that quote unquote chewed the bones, chewed the meat, chewed the down, meat to the bone. down to the bone. Why should we credit them for going to the IMF? No, I said, what should we credit them for? Is it the chewing of the meat down to the bone, mm-hmm. or is it the going to the fund to cure the chewing of the meat down to the bone? If you go back to the question that he asked me, yeah. he read the Moody's report, uh-huh. and he said, the Moody's report says that going to the fund brought stability. Uh-huh. Should we not credit exactly. the NDC for going to the fund? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, going to the fund is not just going to the fund. You go to the fund because of something. Uh-huh. The NDC went to the fund because in their own words, they chewed the meat down to the bone. Those were the words of uh, President uh, Muhammad at the time. These are not my words. That he or we? Well, you can play back his that words. he said he chewed the bone. He bones. did. You can play back his words. He said that the meat has been chewed down to the bones. Those are not my words. Those are his. So now when By you who? have... This is President Muhammad. No, I'm saying no, I'm saying that by if you well, are, are you quoting properly? That, let, let's stick to what we have. No, 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 no. Okay. We are going back to exactly that audio. He says mm-hmm. that the meat has been chewed down to the bone. Okay. And that as a result, they have to go to the fund for support. Mm. And so when you come back and you say that the NDC should be credited for going to the fund for support, I say, what should they be credited for? Is it the chewing the meat down to the bone? Or they're going to the fund for support to cure your own chewing of the meat down to the bone. And that it will be ridiculous for anybody to, on his own, chew the meat down to the bone, go to the fund for support, and say he should be applauded So are you suggesting that fund? President Mahama was self-incriminating when he said, we chew the meat to the bone and therefore had to go to... I think he was self-incriminating when he said that his administration's economic management program, or let me say their fiscal policy, a monetary policy, Mm -hmm. had led to a chewing of the meat down to the bone, and therefore they had gone to the fund and asked for support. And that but, is but, my answer to that question. But, but that, that's, I, I don't think that's a fair comment or fair response because... Well, as for fairness and unfairness, the, you are allowed the, the to have that... The implication of what you said... <laughs> you are allowed that, to have that... The implication... You are allowed to have that of, view. The implication of what most... Okay, at least my understanding of when I listened to the audio was that you're basically saying if you mismanage the economy to which to the meat to the bones, yeah. you will end up with the IMF. No, I... No, please. That is not... No, I'm saying that's the impression okay. I got from that statement. So, that's so, what many people so, get as no, well. No, no, no. That's your impression. I also yes. say to you that that's an unfair... Uh, uh, categorization of it. The yeah. understanding of it yeah. is that if you mismanage the economy and go for a bailout uh-huh. and ask that you be credited for the stability that comes from the bailout, yeah. you oughtn't, let me use your own expression, uh-huh. you oughtn't get that credit. Now, bring that fast forward into where we are now. Mm-hmm. Why have we gone for a bailout? We have not gone for a bailout. Because you mismanaged the no, economy. No, we have not gone for a bailout because we've mismanaged the economy. We have gone for a bailout but because, because you have no, because no. all the data indicators from your debt to GDP levels, your inflation rate, your deficit rate are worse than they were during Mohammed's time. So what induced them? That's the question we have to ask. So let me give you an answer. We are going for an IMF program because the twin crisis, first of COVID, 
and now of Ukraine have imposed an unprecedented demand on our fiscal and monetary policies to respond. Mm. But, but it mm. comes at a time when the buffers that we have built between 2017 and 2019 have been eroded by the very first crisis. Look at the performance of the Ghanaian economy between 2017 and 2019. The Ghanaian economy still had its own peculiar challenges. Nobody can run away from that. But the Ghanaian economy was performing comparatively better year on year between 2017 and 2019 until we were hit in 2020. And when we were hit first in 2020, that's when you saw the first set of major uh, may I say, macro distortions happening. That's when you saw uh, the rate of debt accumulation going back up. That's when you mm. saw debt-to-GDP ratio, which you just mentioned, going back up. That's when you began to see our debt build up in such a significant manner. Prior to that, yes, debt was building up, but was not building up at the same rate at which you saw in 2020. In 2021, as we started the exercise of recovery, we're hopeful that by the time we're ending that year and commencing a 2022 rebuild using our own domestic resource mobilization strategies, better managing our debt, uh, trying to rationalize our expenses, we could contain the situation. This domestic strategy is what I'm submitting to you this morning mm. has uh, been challenged. And as a result of this challenge, the president looks at the total picture and says, So you, you, you seriously, I think you seriously want the Ghanaians to believe that the only reason we are going to the IMF is because of COVID-19. No, that's a primary reason. We are going through a conversation. But COVID-19 was, COVID was a global crisis. Yes, I have, it was. I have, and I have, that is I why. That is me, why. Give me a second. Yeah. I have in front of me data for Cote d'Ivoire compared to Ghana. Because Cote d'Ivoire has been a very good example you've used. Indeed, Dr. Mbawami, I used Cote d'Ivoire in a recent piece where he said the NDC administration blames Cote d'Ivoire as if the global economic challenges affected only Ghana. Check out Cote d'Ivoire's growth. Look at the time series. The only effect on COVID was minus 1.8 in July 2020. Now, I'll show you the same thing for Ghana. Can I respond to Cote d'Ivoire? Hold on. I'll show you the same thing for Ghana. Look at Ghana. Two quarters of negative growth. Yeah. Now, let's do inflation. Our inflation, average inflation, Cote d'Ivoire's inflation is less than 10%. Yeah. Our inflation is near 30%. Now. We can use deficit. Even within the period of the same data, all the... Even deficits, yeah. growth rates, on every measure, yeah. they do far better than us. Because the Cote d'Ivoire... And I'm using them because yes. I'm using them because we are similar economies. We are both co-exporting. Co even yeah. we have gold, they don't. Yeah. We have more oil than they do. Yes. So they are very comparable economies. Yeah. Well, but what is the GDP of Cote d'Ivoire? What is the uh, reserve position of Cote d'Ivoire? Today, I'm sure you are aware that Cote d'Ivoire has applied for an IMF program. You are aware? We know over 40 countries have applied for IMF programs. Actually, over 100, about 100 countries have applied for it. Cote d'Ivoire that you are citing as an example. Oh, yeah, yeah. With all of these numbers yeah. you are talking about, why have they applied for But there are different program? IMF programs. Well, I'm, well <laughs> Every, I'm, I'm, And the basis for applying for the IMF program is... The, so it's not about applying for IMF No, 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 no. So, so, so check it out. And then let's find out what they have applied for, what Ghana is looking to get. Kenya. With all the macro stability that the Kenyan economy has and the robustness of the Kenyan economy, mm. they have applied for it. Egypt has applied for it. Tunisia has just started the conversations. So we can do the comparatives. But I want to go back to why Ghana has gone. The primary reason, as I've explained to you, mm. is that the twin crisis, as I've explained, and it's a matter that is well known. But beyond the, 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 the general point of the mm. twin crisis, 
our domestic program, as I mentioned, mm. which was ordinarily what would have helped us respond without going for um, a balance of payment support program, has also been challenged. And I've given you examples of, for example, how it's taken four months to get revenue measures through, and even when they got through, uh, they are yet to hit optimal level. But one of the major things that has affected us mm. is our downgrade. Is our downgrade and therefore our inability to access the international capital markets. Because if you could, uh, on an ordinary basis, access the international capital markets, what would have happened is that by this time, after budget had been read, you'd have been able to uh, uh, mop in some hard currency, which would ensure that even if for whatever reason, mm. um, domestic production and export and balance of trade and balance of payment was therefore not happening mm. at the rate at which you want it to happen, you will still be able to mop in some forex to service, in particular, your international debt obligations to hold your currency. And then it will also provide some liquidity uh, for parts of your fiscal uh, program. Yeah, but, but, but could you, we were, we, we, we were, we were, we were, we were not downgraded. <clears throat> we're not down, we're, we're downgraded for a series of reasons. Yes. So it is, now who caused some? Well, that's so, a question. So, so let's go through the now who caused some. Mm. One of the reasons for which we've been downgraded, I'm not saying it's the only reason, one of the reasons for which we've been downgraded is the fact that in 2020, we took on a lot of debt as part of our COVID management program. And what it did was that it made debt sustainability hit the roof. If you read, I was reading the, I think it was um, Moody's that did the mm. uh, downgrade. If you read the uh, report, one of the things it talks about is the escalated debt which escalated debt was most pronounced in 2020. Mm -hmm. Another thing it says, in, and it says it's in very fine language, but if you interrogate it, it's the same thing. talks about some of the governance pitfalls that we're beginning to experience in Parliament. Mm. If you speak to the international investors, they'll tell you that those fights in Parliament, that, 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 that kind of posture that demonstrates our inability to get mm -hmm. um, economic policy through will not give confidence to any investor to put money in the Ghanaian economy. So there mm -hmm. are things that we do that we think, uh, you know, it's just politicking, but they all have an effect on it. Today, for mm. example, as I'm saying, we have a billion at the doorsteps of parliament, even in the midst of all of this, mm -hmm. which we honestly, in all humility, believe we have to mop into the central treasury so that our city doesn't depreciate mm -hmm. any further. We have reserves to meet our international obligations. We are facing the same kind of obstruction. Now, when that happens and you are therefore not able to mop in the forex that you require, the president would have to take the responsible decision of what do I do to ensure mm -hmm. that the situation does not degenerate. And that's the situation that the president has had to take. This is the City Breakfast Show. It's 836. We apologize. We can't bring you your money. My guest could you up on Chroma. Well, this is your money. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's a good one. This is your money. This is your money. So your money essentially manage your economy in a way that would not lead you into trouble. There are lots of contentious issues and yeah. we don't have all day, but I, I still want to push back on some of the points you mm, made. That's fine. Because I've, we've checked West Africa data statistics and our, our, our fiscal situation is much worse than a lot of our comparator countries. That is true. You've said that um, we had to borrow a lot during COVID. That is correct, but the level of Ghana's debt accumulation is higher than the emerging market average. In fact, when we go to the IMF website and check the level, by the projected debt to GDP is going to be 83%, which is much higher than almost all comparator countries. Now, a lot of Ghanaians will say, so if you borrowed so much, even within COVID, yeah. what have we used the money for? For which reason some of the other indicators like inflation, 
people's incomes and things have not improved. Because if you've borrowed that much, then Ghanaians should be saying, okay, no problem. You decided to borrow a lot during COVID to, to help us. Yeah. How come as we speak this morning, we have a higher fuel price. Yeah. The CD to the dollar rate is near to eight CDs. Yeah. Inflation is close to 30%. Yeah. So a country that borrows so much within a COVID period, citizens are still reeling. And they compare, again, during the demonstration, they compared, for example, fuel prices in the comparator countries, yeah. Burkina Faso, Togo, Nigeria. Right? So how do you explain to Ghanaians that this is not mismanagement? You have to give me some latitude to deal with this. First, you've said that our fiscal situation is worse than that of many of the comparator countries. Yes. And you are right. And that's exactly what we have been saying. One of the first things you want to look at is a comparison of revenue mobilization in all of these countries that you are looking for. Ghana mm. has one of the lowest tax-to-GDP ratios in the West African subregion. If we are comparing the ability of other governments to respond to some of the challenges you've spoken about, inflation, mm. fuel pricing, etc., their ability to respond is primarily, primarily through their fiscal program. Mm -hmm. So you have countries in which, uh, through their fiscal program, they mm. can lend a helping hand. Mm -hmm. We live in a country where tax-to-GDP ratio is what? Um, somewhere around 12% thereabout. OECD countries are supposed to be doing about 25%. Mm -hmm. It's not that the GDP is not being produced. Mm -hmm. It is being produced, but how much of it comes back to the national kitty or to the treasury to enable the administration of the day, be it NDC, MPP, PPP, whoever, respond to some of these concerns. Two, if you take something like inflation, the inflation that we're experiencing currently mm -hmm. It's a pass-through of about three things. One, deregulation policy, which is therefore ensuring that the crude oil prices on the world market are literally translating into mm -hmm. uh, what you are seeing on the Ghanaian market. Last mm -hmm. week, uh, Monday, when we started the engagements, we met market women, we met transport operators. And they started off by arguing that, listen, if I go to Domahinkro, Burkina Faso, and buy tomatoes, mm. and it costs me X to transport it, Y to load it, Z to uh, unload it, I've, I've got to pass all of that on because it's a deregulated market I'm running. The fuel operators say if fuel price was $74 per barrel mm -hmm. in December last year, and it is $133 per barrel mm -hmm. at the end of, I think, March or April or so, literally doubled, they will also have to pass it through. Unless, the first point you raised, the fiscal situation is such that a government can dip into it and provide some reliefs. You were talking this morning about the fact that while we were all expecting prices to perhaps come down a little bit uh, from this weekend into this week, they've actually gone up. When I checked from the um, National Petroleum Authority, mm -hmm. they say the three margins that were um, suspended... The only one that has been brought back is the UPPF margin. What is the UPPF margin? It's the um, Unified Petroleum Pricing Fund margin. Mm -hmm. What is that uh, fund? That fund is the fund that ensures that when somebody buys fuel in Buipe, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the price is not different from if he buys it at Tema. Mm -hmm. Because the transporters may add their own prices to it if you don't have a way of having a fund that pays them. Mm -hmm. In the three months that it was suspended, every month we lost $40 million. Mm -hmm. 40 million Ghana cities multiply by three. That's about what? About um, uh, 120? About 120 million. And so when the three month comes to an end, unless it is reviewed, um, MP is working with its uh, instructions. So fuel pricing on the Ghanaian market is gone up because of the type of deregulated policy you are operating. You want to check 
some of the other countries you are raising as um, comparatives, mm. what is the policy they are operating? So not 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 just a question of what is their fiscal mm-hmm. um, uh, framework that allows them to intervene, but also what is the policy that they but, are Michael, operating? Hold on with that point. Which you is, are which talking. Is, hold on. Hold on with that. Which, which is why Ghanaians are legitimately unhappy because you are running a deregulated system. It means at the end of the day, we pay. Okay, you according to finance minister got about 18 billion during the COVID period from whether it's for the IMF's 1 billion or whatever amount. You raised about 18 billion CDs to support COVID. You are passing through fuel prices to us. You are not increasing our salaries. Inflation is eating away our salaries. So, and my, my, my point, my pushback to you is that this is clearly your fault. No, you raised three issues first. Fiscal situation, then you talked about fuel, then you talked about 30% inflation. Yeah. I want to land on the 30% and then I'll come to this uh, new question you have added to it. The 30% inflation, check what the Ghana Statistical Service is saying is causing it. It is primarily the effect of this fuel pricing matter that we have spoken about, which is now affecting transportation prices, which is affecting everything. Which your policy has caused. It is the national policy we've been operating. Unless you, Bernard, are telling me that we should now move from a deregulated fuel system into a regulated but one. But there, there are seven tax components you can do something about. What is the total tax? Probably 24%. And therefore, if you compare that to a 100% increase in fuel prices, if you took away all the taxes today, because even the example of the margins that were taken away, just now extrapolated, if you took away all the taxes today, Will the price of petroleum products on the market necessarily come down? The answer yes. is no. It will be much lower than it is. It, well, of course, it, it will be, be no, no. It, it will be it will be, be no. It will be lower than it is. Yes. But it will be higher than when it was at seventy four percent. Yes. But people now no, that is the benefit. If I may land, if I may land with my answer, if twenty four percent attack build up is, I'm just making a point. If twenty four percent attack build up is, I know. But let me respond to the question you have asked. No, because you are putting something to me. No, but let me respond to the question you have asked. Let me respond to the question you have asked. It's a cost benefit analysis. On one breath, if you take away, let's say, the taxes on it, which you are saying is 24%, if you mm-hmm. take it away, mm-hmm. the benefit that the average Ghanaian is expecting is that at least fuel prices will be halted where they are or will not go up any further. Relief. The reality on the market, and mm-hmm. by the way, that suggestion is still, uh, may I say, at large. Mm-hmm. We have, uh, what, uh, this weekend coming up to look at uh, the consequential mm-hmm. measures that will go into mm-hmm. media. So I'm not saying it cannot happen. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying the analysis so far is that the benefit you are expecting, mm-hmm. which is perhaps a halt uh, in the further escalation of fuel prices, as compared to the cost, mm-hmm. What is the cost if you take away these taxes? Already mm-hmm. today you are in a scenario where the little that is coming into the treasury is not able to meet the expenditure commitments that as a country we have. Last night I was talking to uh, national service persons, mm-hmm. some of who are saying that our allowances have delayed. Mm-hmm. I was talking to uh, who, uh, teachers who were raising issues mm-hmm. uh, with some of their compensation, etc. Even this one that the, 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 the fiscal framework is struggling to contain is what you get from all of these uh, taxes, etc. on it. If you do further cuts in these taxes, the argument so far has been that it would significantly limit your ability to deliver on the little that you are struggling to deliver on. So it's a cost and benefit uh, um, uh, uh, matter here. One of the things we need to focus on significantly, which I think very often we run away from, 
is going back to improve domestic resource mobilization. Because, Bernard, even this IMF uh, BOP thing that you are going for, even if it's concessional, in the end you need domestic mm-hmm. resources to go and pay back. You, 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 let's talk about the fiscal issue. So you are talking about we don't pay enough taxes. Well, it depends on what kind of tax. Yes, our direct taxes are lower than average. Ghana's indirect taxes are very high and very, very comparable to all peers. That's point number one. Point number two, the kind of tax you push talks about your mindset toward the economy. You have not, you, you have not put in place the infrastructure to collect property tax as an example. You have not passed the tax exemptions bill into law, which a lot of people feel waste a lot of money for us. Property tax is a progressive tax. Yep. You've been in power for five years. So if you come around and tell me don't mobilize enough tax revenue, and yet you have done precious little about property tax, you haven't passed the tax exemption bill, you've been in two parliaments, that cannot be, that cannot be the fault of the ordinary Ghanaian. Then you talk about spending. There are, this sounds like a very, uh, may, may not be related, but what signal do you send to Ghanaians if you make payments for building a cathedral? Possibly outside budget, because we haven't seen the details of the line items in the budget. Within a period of difficult economic times, yeah. how do you expect Ghanaians to come and understand it when you say you are making a trade-off between them paying uh, tax versus the, the, like getting revenue to develop and fuel prices and all of that? Your decisions seem to have worsened the plight of the Ghanaian. So let me speak to the issue of um, tax exemptions. The tax exemptions bill has not been worked on by finance committee. We're expecting the plenary to work on it and uh, to pass it. Mm-hmm. But some truth must be spoken about the tax exemption bill. When, as a country, traditionally your domestic resource mobilization is low, and consequently you still have to do some projects. So let's say you go to African Development Bank and ask for $200 million mm. to do a Pokwasi interchange. Mm. And on top of that $200 million you have borrowed, you say you want to take taxes on it, then your cost of borrowing is going to go up higher. So when you then give an exemption... On the taxes, <clears throat> on the project for which you have borrowed, mm. somebody can look at it and say, oh, that's tax exemption. You've lost X amount of money. But actually, it's a plus and minus. It's the, the value is the, the same. The devil is in the detail. If you did not give that tax exemption, mm. the cost of the project and cons, you know, uh, consequently the cost of the loan mm. will be higher and your debt servicing obligations, etc. But it has been worked on. It's uh, past committee stage. We're expecting the plenary to work on it. Property taxes, for example, we found out that, listen, you need to have a more, uh, may I say, technology-supported approach. That is what is now being rolled out in collaboration with the Ghana Revenue Authority. It's been five years. I agree with anybody. No, I mean, I agree. We could have done better on, for example, putting property tax mechanisms in place earlier. But I think we should not run away from the fact that... um, the revenue mobilization conversation in this country is one that we have all been shying away from. I'm not saying um, necessarily more taxes, but the compliance to the already existent, for example, direct taxes, it has taken us quite a while to now get national ID done so that you now sync it with your tax database and begin to re- realize who is in the Ghanaian economy, who is making money, who is not paying taxes, and who you can then engage to be able to bring some more taxes to the table. And I think no matter what we do, it is part of the conversation that we need to confront and confront head on. Because if we don't, we we'll run away in circles for a very long time. Um, you had $18 billion, I'm talking. To, I'm still on fiscal. You had yeah. $18 billion for COVID. Yeah. For the past seven years, we haven't increased the amount we pay for LEAP. So the average LEAP family gets 32 CDs. A month, yeah. which is one CD a day since 2015. You raised 18 billion. 
some of which came through an IMF program yep. or an IMF money were entitled to one billion. Yeah. Still, your leap has not increased, which is possibly the most well-targeted. In fact, the World Bank says the leap is the best targeted social intervention program. This is this is the World Bank's view, and we, we cannot argue with that. We yeah. can't, but not for here. Yeah. So, if you raise eighteen billion, you haven't touched. You haven't been increased leap by one peso, and you are spending money on things that many people consider unnecessary. How then do you come back and say that it's not your fault? Because I'm coming back to the fiscal issue. Let me deal with the. I'm coming back billion. to the fiscal issue. Let me deal with the eighteen billion. So, with respect, the eighteen billion that was raised, yeah, was not raised to increase leap. That's not what I'm saying. No, I'm saying no. You kept. It was raised. I'm, kept, I'm, no, no, no. You no, don't misconstrue no, me. No, no, I'm not. You the, kept. Can I explain to you my understanding of what you were earlier? Earlier, you were telling me about your yeah, understanding. So, I, I, so let me explain to you. My, yeah, of I'm a saying, social intervention program. Yes, but the uh, 18 billion that was raised yes. was not raised with the objective. So what was it spent for? Well, it was spent on the COVID response program. The details mm. I don't have them before me, but the finance minister outlined them in Parliament, and the speaker has asked yeah. the joint committees of finance and health to go through the details. If by the time they are done with the details, you found anything there that is untoward or out of order, which, sure, which includes I'm sure, I'm food sure, for people and all of that. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure we yeah, can but, raise. But that. We can deal with that because I'm sure, I'm sure. We hold can on. My, so my I just point, want to make my, the point. No, don't, just hold on. No, my, my point. The point. No, you ask the question. Let me make the point. No, I just want to explain <laughs> that. My point is that if you have an emergency yeah. and you raise eighteen billion, yeah, you've spent it on spraying, cooking for people, and all of that. Medical bills of persons who were um, uh, affected by COVID, uh, infrastructure for some of the health institutions to help us to respond to COVID, etc., etc. All of that is part of it. I'm saying that as they go through the assessment of the numbers that have been provided by the finance minister, if we find anything untoward there, we can go after it. But it will not derogate from the. Listen, if you have, um, uh, uh, if you have, if you have a 400 billion CD problem. You need to raise revenue, let's say, of about $400 billion to be able to meet the obligations. And you are doing, what is it, 150 You can have a conversation about the uh, proprietary nature of the application of some five out of the 150 and that's a fair conversation to have. And if anybody has misapplied, let's say, some $1 million, go after him. But Bernard, in all humility, it will not take away the fact that you need to come back and confront that uh, gap between the 150 and the 400. You can go for support, go for help, do a few things here, but you need to come back and confront that conversation about how do I move from 150 mm. to 400 so, if, if I understand so you correctly, that I can satisfy that my obligations. If you have a, a financing gap, irrespective of what happens, so let's assume you have a financing gap of 10 million. Yeah. That matter must be dealt with irrespective of what you spend the little you have on. Yes. Because the financing gap is the bigger problem. That is true. Yeah. But some would also say the way you manage the little you have that is true. will determine whether you will even get. That is true. Because we are the ones paying. That is very true. So if we feel you are mismanaging the little you get, that is very the true. impetus to pay more to fill the gap that will is, not come. That is very true. But those conversations, I say to you in all humility, must go side by side. Because in this country, we have adequate mechanisms for dealing with how that 150 has been used. I always make the point that, for example, you have a, you cannot procure without going through a procurement process established by law in this country. You have to make a justification at various levels before you procure. 
you need commencement certificates. Another mm. team of people have to see it to do their feasibility test before they give you the right to procure. Mm. When you procure, there are processes for ensuring that you pay. Mm. When you are done with it, there's an auditor general who will come and audit and ensure that it's in line with what uh, should have taken place. If across this value chain anything has gone wrong, mm. there's a whole process no for problem. dealing with Can it. Can we do just a few? But I'm just saying, if I just okay, mean that, I'm just saying that mm. while that process exists, mm-hmm. let's not reduce the entire conversation to there's some five million in the 150 that I have a problem with. Therefore, I don't want to deal with moving from 150 to 400. Certainly, certainly when in reality, we have yeah. to move to 400 to deal with that. That, that's a fair go point. Ahead. But yeah, I, right. I still feel that because the citizenry must be involved in raising that revenue, the way government is perceived to spend money is very important is as a signal. That is true. Which is why I come to an initial like the cathedral. Yeah. How do you justify the amounts you spent on a cathedral at the time we did? This whole cathedral matter, I think, has generated a lot of public um, bruhaha. I have honestly asked for a full brief to understand um, why we paid what at what point in time. So as I sit before you this morning, I don't have a full brief to enable me to uh, speak to that matter. Mm-hmm. Our understanding initially is that um, it was supposed to be put together by the uh, uh, what the churches and the private sector with some seed support from the state. Mm. I don't have a full brief on uh, the details of how that has gone. So I'm not going to go into uh, that matter. The brief I have this morning, which is what I'm speaking to, is a broader conversation of how we are getting ourselves out of the uh, economic doldrums in which we find ourselves the option the president has opened that we speak to the fund to get some uh, support in implementing our program and how we should look to ensuring that in implementing that program, we will do it in such a manner that it just doesn't get us out of our balance of payment quagmire in which we are today, mm-hmm. but it puts us in a situation where the major structural problems of the Ghanaian economy mm. can be dealt with moving forward. Help us with the poster government is taking to the meeting. And I'm asking this because... I recall when we spoke in March, before Finance Minister came up with this announcement, we had the impression some of our social programs, which many people considered too expensive, were on the table for discussion. Yeah. Subsequently, when Minister came to Parliament, he says, no, we will not. He, if, in fact, he zeroed in on free SHS. Says it will not be cancelled. At all. Yeah. But I, you are, are, so what's the, what, what is, with you going back to this conversation, IMF, is that still the position that free SHS is on the, it will not it's off the table. So you see, when you say it's off the table, what do you mean? Is it up for discussion for Aha. streamlining? So up for discussion for streamlining will not mean cancelling. Okay. I think that sometimes words and concepts mm. and their understanding. People, mm. you know, when mm. you say, let's say, it mm. is fair to have a look or mm. to examine. I think mm. the word I used was to examine. Mm-hmm. People interpret it to mean that, mm. ah, it's going to be cut. Mm-hmm. That's not what we are saying. Mm. I have said, and I maintain because it is what the president has said, mm-hmm. that you have to look at all your expenditure items and examine mm-hmm. which one can you still fully deliver, but perhaps at a lower cost. Mm-hmm. The fact that it is up for examination with the greatest of respect does not mean cancellation. Mm. So you have a scenario where you have a number of social protection programs Mm -hmm. that you have rolled out as an administration. And as you're going into this fund program and you're also looking at the necessary expenditure rationalization measures, you're going to be asking yourselves, which one can you still deliver Mm. without necessarily spending as much as you had initially budgeted for? Mm -hmm. If push comes to shove and you have to consider which ones 
you may not be able to go forward with. All of that is fair to consider. Okay. It's it's early days. We are now going into these negotiations. It may not be wise to start drawing yeah. the line down that, no, this one will yeah. not be affected. That one. But, but I think we must go into it with the mindset that the administration is minded to, as much as possible, protect what matters to the Ghanaian people. A lot of people are worried that what matters to them, public sector employment, uh, you know, some of the programs like the Free Senior High School program, uh, will be truncated. I think if the evidence of the recent past is anything to go by, we are minded to negotiate in a manner that seeks to protect what is in the best interest of the Ghanaian people. The programs that will ensure that mm -hmm. people get jobs, mm. people get incomes, they can improve their quality of life as much as possible. They can get relief mm. from the pressures that Russia, Ukraine, COVID, uh, and the challenges to our domestic program are imposing on us. Mm. That is the framework, the mindset with which we are going into uh, these negotiations. Usually when, and this is from previous history, you would notice there would be definitely calls for rationalization, yeah. whether it's of wages yeah. or in terms of employment yeah. or of some subsidy program. Yeah. So that's the way IMF works. Yes. So there are many angles. Some are looking at size of government. Mm -hmm. Some are looking at government flagships. Yeah. And then some are looking at infrastructure projects. Yeah. So again, I'm coming back to the mindset because from what you are saying is the president who sets the tone. Yeah. And from the listening to the president, it's quite clear that he's he when we when he was asked about the size of his government, he says the size of his government will deliver. Yeah. So he didn't think it was such a big problem. Yeah. His uh, social policy interventions, he also seems quite strong in his head that they will work. Mm -hmm. So I'm just wondering what sort of concessions because then, you don't forget your wedding. Your statement says you will present a statement. So you will present a program to the IMF at the end of the day. Yeah. So it's not like IMF will tell you they will suggest, but you will decide. Yeah. So if you are not going to reduce size of government, if you are not going to touch some of your key or stop some of your key flagships, then where will the, the space come from? I think it's early days. I think we should give the team that is doing this. The, I mean, first of all, the task force itself is chaired by the president. Mm. Um, his fiscal policy manager and his team mm. are bringing the necessary proposals to the table. The president has set the framework, mm. similar to the words that you have uh, described, mm. that there are things that must be protected, but we do understand that there will need to be some rationalization measures. Mm. So it's a balancing act between the two. How do you ensure that the most important things are protected while at the same time mm. ensuring that that rationalization takes place? Mm -hmm. It's a balancing act in the middle. Let's give the team the opportunity to do the work, bring it to the president, let him have an opportunity to uh, you know, sign off on all. In fact, the first part of the engagement with the IMF is to look at the data to determine which kind of program will work for Ghana. Because like we mentioned, the IMF has, you know, has several programs. Mm. So as they are coming to town from about Wednesday, what we're going to do is to share all the data and then come to a certain understanding. Is it an ECF we are going for? Is it a standby facility? What is it? By that time, when we are done on that one and we begin to negotiate the details, President will also have signed off on the um, details of what sort of balancing act we want to achieve. Mm. And we can have that conversation. Let, uh, let me just ask with a, a, lot, a lot of people are asking me, to ask you if government doesn't owe Ghanaians an apology. I don't think it. In fact, um, la, uh, last night your colleague, um, MFA, um, of uh, joining us asked me the same question. Mm. I don't think it's about apology or no apology or, you know, this one has done this. Or this. I think it's about dealing with the uh, realities of the situation in front of us. The realities of the situation in front of us are that we have a twin crisis that has exacerbated our domestic challenges. Uh, the domestic program, which would have enabled us to deal with it, 
uh, has had its own challenges. The president has instructed his team to open a window and start engagement with the fund. Let's give ourselves the opportunity to go through mm. and arrive at a program that delivers best for the people of Ghana. I think what will happen is that at the end of the day, if we are successful in putting a good program on the table, executing it, exiting it like we've done in the recent past, and in delivering what is mm. most important to the people of Ghana, Mm-hmm. Uh, a good chunk of this, you know, a portion. So, so when level. people say that the way politicians play political football with the economy, it erodes their own credibility. Because if you've made, for someone like finance minister, yeah. if you've made a principal stance that the IMF program will not be good for us, should you not resign, or should you be the one to lead us to negotiate with them? For, for, based on the question of principle, yeah. is that not legitimate? I think it's a fair question to ask. The answer I have provided already, that the minister responsible for fiscal policy, the minister responsible for finance, has expressed a view, a view supported by the government, the government's view, that it is better to use domestic measures to deal with uh, some of these challenges uh, than to uh, find yourself in a situation where you need external help of this nature. Unfortunately, the domestic measures have been challenged. At the time they have been challenged, there's a global, a twin global crisis that is biting hard. Mm. Any president who feels the pain of his people would explore what options work best. And this is the window that the president has asked us to open and engage and ensure that we're able to um, find the necessary resources to deal with the short-term problem, but also at the same time deal with the bigger economic problem. But is, is there to, not a fear? Among, to, is there not a fear in government? That, is there not a fear in government? Is there not a fear in government that the position of the finance minister weakens us before IMF? Because if you have, I, the president chairs the task force, as I've told you. The minister and his team are putting their details together. They will come back to the task force. The president chairs, and the president is responsible for economic policy. I think sometimes we think that the finance minister is responsible for the economy. The finance minister actually is responsible for fiscal policy. The Bank of Ghana is responsible for monetary policy. Real sector development, broader economic policy sits with the president. He has an economic management team under him that will be doing the day-to-day management. The president is in full control of the end-of-day engagements that we'll have with the fund. The president is the one who spoke to the fund managing director on the phone. But but what we know about these engagements and the details are that they will typically work with the, pres- the vice the, the vice president and the finance minister. So typically based for all these programs, the for the details, it's the, the finance framework. minister and the vice no, president. No, based on the framework and the objectives as agreed between the president of the republic and the so managing director of the... Fu- no, but that's how it works. Mm. In fact, if you speak to any of these people, we'll tell you that the first thing that will happen is that the president we'll of the republic yes. would have to call the managing director and have a conversation that, listen... X, Y, Z, and this is what I'm asking my people to do. This is a broad framework within which I want my people to do mm. the detailed negotiations with your people. I mean, I'm privy to the conversation between the president and the managing director, mm-hmm. and she expressed what um, you know mm. she thought uh, was uh, the appropriate posture that the government of Ghana had taken mm. and explained how, okay. as I mentioned earlier, about 100 countries mm. um, across the world, in Africa, Kenya, Egypt, Cote d'Ivoire that you refer to, uh, Ethiopia, Morocco, Tunisia is just mm. also trying to get um, mm. um, 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 a new facility, have all requested is, is for Burkina facilities. And Togo also there? Uh, I don't have an indication that they what are. What about Senegal? But these are some of the big economies in Africa that we are talking about that sometimes even when we compare ourselves to, we say they are mm. doing better than us. And the managing director expressed the fact that, uh, you know, it makes sense that all of uh, these ones at this point will mm. take uh, this uh, option. What is before us now is to 
tap into that option to do the temporary work we need to do. Mm. But Bernard, there are bigger problems in the Ghanaian economy. If I just may land yeah, um, on that. Um, on and that, when you are doing that, the timeline, which people are wondering how, how soon Typically, it takes about six on. months to nine months to, agree, the to be agreed on. on a program. Oh and then you have your prior actions that you have to follow. Wow. You know the last one, it took seven months to negotiate. Mm. Average is usually about six months. We are hoping we can do it a bit faster. So probably January. Well, we are hoping we can do it a bit faster. But we need to uh, sit with them from Wednesday and have that conversation. But Bernard, when you are done with all of this, mm. one of the bigger challenges in the Ghanaian economy, which is finding resources mm. to better stimulate industry, mm. to produce more, export more, bring the reserves back into the treasury so that your dollar or your forex earning power is higher than your forex spending. Mm. So that without requiring some balance of payment support, you can have enough reserves to deal with your uh, currency issues. It's something we still have to confront. Mm. That will not be dealt with by the IMF. But where is that difficulty coming from, considering you've borrowed a lot and pushed it into flagship programs that were supposed to solve that problem you're talking about? Well, that solution has started. If you look at the 1D1F program, it's not zero. Mm. And these uh, factories, these, these factories, for example, um, will not in a day... Turn around the numbers you are looking yeah. for. I just saw last week, mm. um, Ekumfi, which is one of the flagship of our flagships, yeah. <laughs> beginning an export program. That is what you are looking for, that you're able to open up the industrial space in this country, like what you've done with Ekumfi, produce a lot more, and like where Ekumfi is now at, about three years down the line, mm. export a lot more. But I'm saying not just export a lot more, Export and ensure that the foreign exchange end comes back into the jurisdiction. Okay. So that you're able to shore up your reserves yeah. ordinarily through the normal course of trade and balance of trade yeah. and then balance. And yeah. then you have a situation where mm. the pressure on your currency, forex liquidity, yeah. and how it even enables yeah. uh, the fiscal managers to support the yeah. economy. I just wanted to can make, take make a place. point that what I know about IMF and Code is that they finished Article 4 consultations and Article 4 is not necessarily and approach the IMF for a bailout. In fact, if you read the... And this is June 17. Actually, there's a June 22nd as well. Okay, so the, 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 the update from the IMF on Cote d'Ivoire is not similar to Ghana, which is the point I was trying to make to you. So No, the data the is not similar. I'm coming. Yes. The Ivoire yes. proved resilient to COVID yes. thanks to the authorities' effective yes. policy response yes. and recovery yes. strongly in 2021 with growth expected at 7%. The impact of war on Ukraine and regional security challenges are expected to weigh in on the macroeconomic outlook. Yes. The medium term growth outlook remains robust a resolute implementation of reforms under 2021-25 national development plan would boost medium term growth yes so this was based on an article 4 visit which is more like a regular and Ghana goes through its yes. article so 4 I'm just saying visits that, I'm, on I'm, a regular I'm, I'm, I'm basis I'm just saying that yes. difference between that and what we we have called them to come for a special no, program I'm, okay, so, so it's not the same no 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 I'm not saying that the Ghanaian and the Ivorian economies are the same I, I, I agree with you that our numbers don't uh, look the same but I'm explaining to you the kind of impact that these global crises have had on these economies and how we are all responding. Yeah, I know, but you said that because Cote d'Ivoire has gone to IMF, we've also gone to... And I'm saying that no, 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 not I'm not same. talking about the um, Article 4 consultations. Mm. My understanding, the data I have is that uh, Cote d'Ivoire is in the process of asking for an IMF facility. So is Tunisia. Okay. Okay, and those are the com countries I have referred to, Kenya and Egypt as well. Fair enough. Thank you very much. Kojo Ponkroma is the Minister for Information, MV for Fwasi, Airebi. He signed the pent and I guess there's going to be a lot of busyness between now and December. That's the kind of statement that when you're signing, they're hardly shaking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll be right back with more. A group of civil society organizations are not happy. They are holding a press conference today at 10 o'clock. What about?
I'll tell you, quite a number of them say the economy is hard, things are not going well, they are not happy with the governance, and there's a lot of them in the CDD and all of that. They are meeting today, and it's at 10. So when they, I'll speak to some of them on the show after I speak to Kojo. But the group is called, okay, so press conference and launch of Coalition for Democratic <coughs> Accountability and Inclusive Government. Mm-hmm. And uh, CDD is part. We'll be speaking to them when we come back. Stay with us. This is the City Breakfast Show, the city's biggest conversation. City Breakfast Show, so much happening today. We've done three interviews already. Can you imagine? We started with Duncan Amwa on the issue of fuel prices. So even though there have been some reduction in global prices, we are paying more because of the UPPF restoration. Then we spoke to the policy director at TUC, who thinks going to IMF is such a bad idea. It's a terrible idea, and it's not going to help us get any better. And then we have information, Mr. Kujo Ponkroma, on set, talking about why Ghana is going. He's essentially saying it's largely because of the COVID crisis and, of course, the other global issues. Because we disputed that. That's the position. And then also whether he felt the uh, Minister of Finance was the one to lead the team. Says the President has directed. The President is actually the one in charge. Lots of questions coming in. But before we go there... Cocoa milk is a fully plant-based milk. It offers specially boosted daily nutrition for all ages from toddlers to adults and comes in a one-liter tetra pack. It's enriched with vitamin C, A, E, B12, B2, D2, and minerals such as iron, zinc, calcium, folic acid, iodine, potassium, magnesium, and phosphorus to relieve stress, enhance blood circulation, and mental development in kids. Cocoa milk contains lauric acid, which helps fight viruses, bacteria, and boost daily immune systems. comes in six exciting variants, Cocoa Original, Unsweetened, Super, Live, Barista, and Chocolate. It's approved by the FDA and available at all Melcom shops, NS Chemist shops, and all supermarkets. You can call 274 or visit 
our Facebook page at Coco Diary Free GA. And if you're thinking about getting that project started or paying rent uh, and fees for the course or worried and lamenting about how to pay off that expensive loan and rebook a new one at a cheaper rate, worry no more. First Atlantic Bank's controller loan is your solution. If you're a con- government worker who's paid by controller and accountant general, you can apply for a loan of up to 150,000 cities for all pressing needs. You can also visit any First Atlantic branch or dial star 442 star 30 hash to apply and enjoy the lowest rate. And it's important to safeguard your business against all forms of cyber attacks. Selfline knows this too. That's why we're offering you a business bodyguard called Selfline Internet and Business Solutions. A SIPS for short. With SIPS, you are rest assured that hackers and scammers can't come near your business. It's designed to safeguard your production lines, online transactions, social media pages, personal data, and digital assets against online hacks and attacks. Choose digital protection to prevent your social media account from impersonation, disaster recovery, which brings back your system minutes after disaster, cyber protection, and more. You may also call 0302-746-766. Now, are you insured? Probably you have health insurance. How about car or liability? Do you find the claims process confusing or complicated? If you're having stress and Wahala trying to understand all of this, remember that the insurance pace campaign is on and is being put together by the Insurance Awareness Coordinators Group and the German Development Corporation through the GIZ in collaboration with the National Insurance Commission. You can follow all the conversations on social media at Insurance Pays GH or call 0552 Remember, Insurance Pays, notify, submit and get paid. And the ECG is telling people that on the 6th of July, which is two days from now, mm-hmm. the grace period they put up or the grace period they allowed would come to an end. If you are still wondering what to do, please go there now and go and sort out the meter that you've bypassed mm-hmm. and you are not buying credit. And when you buy credit, you can't get it. You can't pay bills, those type of things. Mm-hmm. Sort those issues out before the 6th of July because after that date, customers who are caught stealing power will be charged for stealing in accordance with the law and their names will be published widely. Let's read a few comments to the conversation we just had with the minister. It's like a torrent. Oh Lord. Of comments. Oh Lord. All right. Can you see in wager says I was oh, expecting KO and Okojo Ponkuma mm-hmm. to first apologize to Ghanaians mm-hmm. and take his word uh, his words back mm-hmm. before trying to defend their failure. Mm. We all can be fooled at the same time. Please tell him that he's trying very hard to explain himself, mm. but he won't wash. Mm. Is the honorable saying that after passing the e levy into law and enforcing it for two months amidst resistance, the government and the citizen the citizenry haven't spoken the same language? Okay, kindly ask him what he meant by same language. Mm. That's coming from Frank Quist Asa. Okay. From Shyman. Mm-hmm. Papa J from DC says, kindly find out from the info minister what the IMF's impact. Uh, the decision's impact to go to the IMF will be on ordinary Ghanaian workers and local development in terms of employment by government salaries in the next three years and the cost of living. Mm. Okay. Please ask the minister, was the E-Levy meant to pay the country's debts? Mm. Is that what they told us? What happened to the roads and other internal developments they said the levy was going to be used for? Mm-hmm. TK asked that. 
All right. Just Adobo Enlai says, who would have thought <laughs> that the best economic team ever, led by Dr. Baumia, would succumb to an IMF program? Mm. Indeed, the fundamentals are really weak. Mm. William from Takadi says, Bernard, what the info minister is saying is all grammar. The main point is that the government has failed Ghanaians. Mm. We are really disappointed. Mm. Somebody says, Bernard, mm. please ask Kozor uh, whether uh, Cote d'Ivoire didn't experience COVID hmm. and the war in Ukraine. I did ask him. Right. Mm. Sakumono says, tell me, uh, please tell Mr. Ponkuma that borrowing money to support the city is the reason why we are here. Mm-hmm. If they keep borrowing in foreign currency, a day will come where they will have to buy dollars with CDs to pay both interest and principal. Hmm. But can you ask him, in light of the current economic conditions, will the government still insist on, on building the National Cathedral mm-hmm. or they will hold the project and channel the funds into more productive sectors of the economy? K from Accra was asking earlier. Mm-hmm. Eric Paddy, Kwabena says, please ask the Info Minister if we can conclude that his government <laughs> has mismanaged the economy. Mm. This one says, Kojo should accept that they have failed as managers of the economy. Mm. Is he telling me the men could not forecast these challenges we are facing? Mm. It looks like the government's biggest problem is a lack of foresight and poor management. Mm. Clearly, our economic managers don't have any plan Bs for us, especially when crisis hits. Mm-hmm. Our economy is not resilient. They should get to work and stop doing PR who caused the downgrade? Is mm. it not as a result of your mismanage, um, management of the economy? Mm-hmm. All right. This one says, seriously, what is the info minister telling us? After this humongous mess, he still wouldn't be apologetic and appeal for support from the people. And he's there defending the indefensible. Mm-hmm. Each time they mention COVID as an excuse, people get mad because they were just reckless with the COVID. Uh, with the COVID management, okay? Mm-hmm. He says he should credit the listeners with some wisdom. Otto in Abeka said that. Mm. This one says the info minister is not being too sincere. We all heard and understood his voice on Asempa FM. Hmm. NDC went to IMF and for him it was due to the NDC's chewing the meat down to the bone. Hmm. But to them, MPP is going to the IMF for different reasons. Or for different reason, I should say. But uh, Ivan... From Santa Maria says, the minister is being smart by shifting blame. Mm-hmm. The downgrade is the absolute reality. Truth be told, they have failed the Ghanaian people. They need to accept this, ask for forgiveness, and correct the mistakes. Mm-hmm. Mensa in Amasama says, please tell the info minister that the time that they blamed everyone but themselves is past. They should take the responsibility for once. If you look at microeconomic indicators across Africa, mm-hmm. Ghana is a clear outlier. That is definitely not COVID-19 in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Okay? All right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just in comments from the listeners today. Very, Prince very interesting. Says, Please ask the info minister why they are not scrapping the e-levies. Maybe I should have made it an open forum. Maybe. I should have just said, okay. But to be fair, most of the questions they're asking, we did ask. That, that's about e levy about the yeah. other things. So, but it's fair. It tells you people are really Yes. And, uh, and for interested. me, the, the, the depth of the questions, some yeah. of the questions are... Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of people are asking... Particularly on the e-levy and the way it was pitched against yeah, the, the right. thing and the issues about yeah. how they bastardized the IMF and all that. So a lot more yes, questions. Prince from Accra mm-hmm. uh, saying that uh, why are they not scrapping the e-levy since it is under delivery? Mm-hmm. And we are going to the IMF after all. Mm-hmm. The e-levy is now more of a nuisance <laughs> to the citizens. Nothing is off the table. Right. I think we got that. So, so I think to be fair, the point about everything being on the table is important because that doesn't mean they'll scrap it or they'll scrap it, the free SHS, but yes. at least they'll discuss it. <laughs> they'll, yeah. So whether they'll streamline it or whatever they do, okay. we'll see. Holy Adenta 
Holy Adentuses. Please tell the info minister that we understand tree very well and we understand English too. Mm-hmm. So he should stop trying to play smart with us. <laughs> failure is failure. Mm. And there are and there is no amount of English or there are no amounts of English words that can change failure. Mm. Mm. Kwesiakwa again mm-hmm. says Koto claims we took or the info minister sorry mm-hmm. claims we took loans in twenty twenty because of COVID. Yeah. Yet, they are dancing around and refusing to account for the COVID money. Well, to be fair, was the parliament, parliament has agreed yes, to do this. So, the minister went to answer questions and then the speaker directed that okay, they should uh, do This that. one says, Charlie Bernard, this economic management team has been exposed. Mm-hmm. Because of COVID, you go borrowing without thinking of the consequences. Mm-hmm. You are now blaming parliament for speaking the voice of the people they represent. 23 minutes past nine. We're still in a city break for sure. We'll take a shortish break. After this, a group of civil society organizations are not happy. And they are organizing a press conference this morning to speak about that. There's actually a coalition. We be citizens. They are called the Coalition for Democratic Accountability and Inclusive Governance. So, as I said, a lot of things happening. The Coalition for Democratic and Accountability and Inclusive Governance are holding a press conference in about 30 minutes this morning. What really is this coalition up about? What do they want to achieve? Why are they serious? If you look at the logo, they have a a citizen with red eyes. (laughs) And the citizen is spying through the window. And the, the the message is we be citizens. So I want to speak to one of the members of the coalition, uh, Shamima Muslim Al Hassan, to tell us a f- bit more about this coalition, what the issues are, and what kinds of activities we should be expecting from them for for the next uh, few moments. So Shamima, it's good to have you back. Good morning. Bernard, good morning <laughs> to you, and good morning to. Um, Kojo and everybody <laughs> in the studio. Yenya Brio, Yenya Brio. how are you? I'm very well. I'm very well, but I'm not well. And I'm, you know, I've been listening to your show. Sometimes it's just exhausting, oh. you know, the, the, the complexity oh. of the problems that we are faced with. So hmm. uh, I'm, I'm hoping that we'll be able to do something different. Um, this new coalition. I think it's a coalition that all of you should be members because obviously the work that you do and you continue to do speaks to the issue of sustaining this democracy and we all have to add our voices. We can't sit back and watch things, you know, deteriorate to the point where, you know, some 
adventurous individual might have some ideas. Mm. We have agreed that we don't want to go into another situation of a coup d'etat. So it means mm. we must be interested and we must speak. All right. Especially when the president enjoins all of us to be citizens, not spectators, Bernard. So who are the members of this coalition and what are the main objectives? So as you rightly said, this is a coalition for democratic accountability and inclusive governance. We have invited a broad range of civil society organizations and we know the critical role and value that CSOs have um, played in consolidating our democracy in terms of the knowledge they have provided us, the research, the education, the accountability ethos that they have, you know, given governments the world over cannot be trusted to truly educate their citizens to become aware. Because a more aware citizen causes sleepless nights for government. So we have a lot of civil society organizations, and this is going to be arguably one of the largest broad-based coalitions, which ensures some level of, of, of sustainability, because the vision is to sustain the engagement. And when you're using existing organizations who are... Um, grouping around like values and politics, you know that you can sustain the um, the engagement. So far, they are using their own resources to push this. So this is not an externally driven coalition. We are having pro-democracy individuals. That's why I think a lot of journalists must join this coalition because we are the vanguard of democracy. We want to maintain this country in peace on a progressive path. We've also invited and several professional groups and associations are joining this coalition because we need to represent the views and I mean this morning you were speaking to the TUC. The TUC is, is obviously a key stakeholder. The issues of labor, the issues of young people. As a member of the coalition, my interest is the young people of Ghana. They are going to be living in the future and we're already living in, 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 in the hardship of the present, the future doesn't look right. So we must engage to ensure that at least the future for our children and some of us who may live a bit longer, it, it's a bit more of a dignified future. That's so what, what are some of the immediate... What are some of the immediate issues the coalition is concerned about? I mean, there are general issues, but are there like specific... Is it economic? Is it the accountability, corruption? Is it human rights abuses? What are some of the immediate issues that the coalition is concerned about? Bernard, as we launch the coalition, we are going to start immediately making some specific demands. And I would also come to uh, speak about the approach we intend to use. But more specifically, of course, the corruption issue of the agenda. But we are opposed to a number of things that we see are a threat. Our, our democracy. We are, we are, we are um, um, actually opposed to the state capture by political parties and other private interests. We are op opposed to corruption, nepotism, to the patronage that is seeping so deeply into our body politics. We are opposed to religious extremism, violence against citizens and groups by agencies. We are opposed to any idea at all of the full data and we are opposed to the use of violence to, this, um, to, to resolve this agreement. These 
these are the things we are going to insist upon that we are opposed to. And we, um, based on what we intend to do, we want to highlight. And we talk about the top issues. Ejapa is one of the issues we'll be engaging citizens on. It is not clear. And we need to hold any, any, any process towards, you know, finalizing the Ejapa deal until citizens really understand what is at stake. Mm. We are also going to engage on the issues of the declassification of the Atimosa Forest. We also are going to work to push the affirmative action bill. It is long overdue. And I think that the continuous absence of actual support, I'm a woman, I'm a gender advocate, we fight for representation of women in governance. But we also recognize that if something is wrong, we should be able to speak about it. The fact that this Critical ministry at the time that many poor households are poor and are moving into greater um, poverty levels and there is child poverty increasing and social inclusion, <coughs> social <coughs> inclusion budget mm-hmm. act not have a substantive minister mm-hmm. addressed and to not have a president concerned enough to replace that minister with a substantive minister to put this critical issue makes us wonder the true commitment of the administration. Wow. So finally, what what tools of advocacy is the coalition thinking? Are we looking more demonstration type? Is it more picketing type? Is it more media appearances? Just give us a sense of the approach of the coalition. All that you've mentioned, but on top of the agenda is continuous mass education. We think that if we are able to create greater awareness by providing the right knowledge, working collaboratively with journalists like yourself, as we do on a daily basis, providing the right information to citizens, they will become knowledgeable enough to ask the right questions. Look at the questions that are coming up. In fact, go onto the IMF uh, pages and see what Ghanaians are doing there. They are making themselves dirty at that stage. For the right reason, because obviously there's a growing wave of young people and citizens wanting to engage. We need to provide them with the information and we need to provide them with the platform to engage and demand greater accountability. We need to make statements. You know, any politician, whoever you are, MPP, NDP, CPP, you should not have a peaceful night. Every politician should be so uneasy that when they go to bed, they invite whatever streets they work with to condole victims so they can build this country and find solutions for this country. We need to get to that point where those that build public or the public um, office and resources know that they cannot be business as usual. Other, other countries have been able to create a semblance of some dignity. Basic dignity, food, Bernard, you've been advocating for food. How can we not be food sufficient? If, if we are hungry, how can we think of anything else? And if you think food is not important, go hungry for a day. So I, the, the framing of our advocacy is that the critical issues, the bread and butter issues, food, shelter, clothing, very important. Local philanthropy, we want to push those ones as well. Because yes, we must all contribute to build this country called Ghana. So we're going to use the, the tool of mass education to create
awareness, hopefully we'll be able to shape the general attitudes of citizens and we can model some behaviors and practices that we want them to adopt. Questioning, engaging, mobilizing, demanding, even at your discomfort. Mm. We're going to engage, we're going to engage in positive discourse, we're going to adopt, yes, tools of agitation because we know that as the language the political class listens to and we're going to um, use whatever legal means we have to request and demand for some specific reform. All right. Thank you, Shamima, for speaking to us. Shamima Muslim Alassan is a member of a coalition of civil society groups which uh, hold conference today. It's called Coalition for Democratic Accountability and Inclusive Governance. And she's highlighting some of the issues they want to raise. When we come back, we'll read more of your reactions. So lots of you are, are still commenting on the interview. Maybe what you want to do is to send me a message about your your views on this whole IMF situation. You can send me a voice note or even give me a call if you want to talk about the IMF because I feel there's still a lot of unsaid things. People have a lot more questions to ask. No, it's not people. I don't think it's about people just having questions. People, and you ask that question, it's about people feeling deceived. Yes. Yes. Okay. And that's how people feel. Yeah. yeah. They can when you... They can explain everything away, but you cannot explain away the fact that people feel deceived because you said certain things and they feel that you have strayed away from those things mm-hmm. that you said. Yeah. So that is where the issue is for Kujo and the other people out there who have to explain away mm-hmm. the current circumstance that we find ourselves in. And that's yeah. why people have every right to feel that so, way. So there's a bit of that. So that's what I'm asking. If you have a, a comment, you can send us a voice note. The WhatsApp number is 0549986996. Maybe, let me just leave it at voice notes for now because we have mm. probably... Yeah. So you can send me a voice note. The IMF program. What, are, what, do you, what do you... How do you see the IMF program? Do you feel optimistic that, well, because we are on the IMF program... Maybe the global economy is going to respond better to us. We are going to get more resources. Or you think things are going to get a bit worse before they get better. I'll take a short break. When I come back, that's my question for listeners. Stay with us. This is the City Breakfast Show. The city's biggest conversation. Join the conversation on the City Breakfast Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag CityCBS. This is the City Breakfast Show. The city's biggest conversation. And why should we vote at their elections when there is no place for we, you and me? So it's 942 City Breakfast Show. Lots of comments. Nathan, I think there's a, I don't know, this IMF thing is really, really huge. We'll read some of them for you shortly. But you can reserve a Dodoa Hills premium plot located at Dodoa today and enjoy 
secure gated community living with swag those are facilities such as electricity shopping center gym and fitness center swimming pool and more pay 5,000 city deposit to reserve Dodoa Hills plot and spread the balance within a year you can also pay 5% of the total amount to reserve our 3 and 4 bedroom executive houses located in North Legon and spread the balance within 3 years 0540-633-569 is the number to call or go to Dodoa Hills GH for more information Get your child to develop great. How? Get them to engage in sport. And Milo will nourish them as they build great through sport. Energize them with a nourishing cup of Milo throughout the process. The great they learn in sport, they keep for life. And meanwhile, Milo is also gritty. And that's the energy to go further. So they are not as gritty as they used to be, but still fairly better than like some of the plainer ones. Alright, so a few more reactions to Ghana going IMF, the government's official response to criticisms that it owes us an apology for the... And I, I just wanted to, uh, Nathan, read a few comments. I wanted to come back to the Cote d'Ivoire issue. <coughs> Be- you, you, you corrected that. Okay, yes, at the end of the interview. Fair enough. So, uh, Godfrey, uh, Nathan, a few more comments. Okay, um, this one says, Winston Churchill is remembered amongst the greatest PMs of Britain, not because he was a PM during good times, but because as a PM during the time of war, he showed a lot of leadership that gave his people hope. Mm -hmm. It is in difficult times that we see true leaders. We are tired of the COVID and Russia war excuses. Hmm. (laughs) Hmm. That's Dana from Usu. Yeah, Dana from Usu. Why is government uh, blaming our going to the IMF on the failure of the E-Levy? As though the economy has just gone south. Mm -hmm. How would the E-Levy have salvaged the situation? Didn't they know the health of the economy as of last week? Mm-hmm. Why did the finance minister and his deputy keep misinforming the nation even as of two weeks ago? It says mm. that posture or this posture doesn't help. Mm. All right. Uh, but a great interview. Is this government saying they didn't know that they are profligate spending on a project at the cathedral, branded as the priority of priorities, mm-hmm. would plunge us into this need for external support? Mm-hmm. Another message says, I put it to the info minister that they knew an IMF supervision. I put it to you, Abimo. <laughs> that I, an IMF supervision would not allow for such needless spending in the current economic environment. They paid huge sums without recourse to parliament and they breached procurement rules right. in their attempts to uh, deceive us with this IMF thing. Mm, that's they an must- interesting perspective from Fifi. That's from Fifi. Mm. No, don't forget, when I interviewed Dr. Nimoy Thompson in February, he said he thought the end, the government didn't want to go to IMF because they were afraid of accounting for COVID expenditure. Because typically, uh, when you go for an IMF program, they spend time to validate the data on the economy to agree. So both sides must agree that this is what we use the money for. So they may even do some audits. Now, his theory is that he feels that they are reluctant to go because that could open a can of worms. Mm. So the point the lady is making is not too far-fetched from that mindset. We don't know if it's true, but that's a view some people have. Mm. Okay, this one um, says, ask the minister, since uh, when has he, uh, he has become aware of the fact that reviewing a running project was not the same as cancellation. <laughs> the NDC said they would review free education policy and his party said it amounted to cancellation. Let him explain to us Ghanaians this morning. Someone from Westlands. Mm. This one um, says, please ask the info minister why he ran away from the cathedral question. He doesn't have the info. Really? He said he needs a brief. He's he asking for a... He said he has... Okay, I think he said he has asked for a brief. Yeah. He has asked for a brief on the full dossier. 
All right. Please tell the Honorable Minister that when you take over administration, unforeseen circumstances are all part of the management process mm-hmm. and you must prepare from day one all to right. handle them when they come. Okay. President Mahama was lucky not to have been involved in such unforeseen circumstances. Mm. But for you, you did. That's why we voted him out. If you were prepared, like just as you told us that you did, we would have sailed through without IMF. So your government has failed like the previous government. So stop branding your type of IMF engagement. IMF is IMF. I think this is different consequences. <laughs> different tema. <laughs> IMF is IMF. And it's interesting you make this point because, Nathan, when you go into the brief, and, and tonight on, on TV I'm going to do um, a brief history of our relationship with the IMF. Uh, I will look at some of the programs here. And it's important because... Almost all the time we go, it's for the same reason. Mm. And almost all the time we go, the government blames external shocks. Mm. So, for example, in 2015, we went to the IMF. The reason was for large fiscal and external imbalances, slowdown in growth, external shocks, Mm. rising interest costs, and extended rate depreciation. Remember, Dr. Bamiya was giving a lecture I think it was 2015, mm-hmm. and then he said that the NDC keeps blaming at the time external shocks as if the external shocks only mm-hmm. came to Ghana, which was why I picked Cote d'Ivoire for that question. So mm-hmm. it's a very important question because there's actually an audio of the vice president at the time, the opposition vice candidate, making jest of the external because when you go into the IMF document, they actually list this external shock thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so which is why I brought the Cote d'Ivoire question that. And again, when you look at the numbers, the economy is much stronger. Of course, he would say, others would say, the, 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 for example, their, their relationship with the French economy mm-hmm. is something to go by. So if you look at a lot of the Francophone countries, their economies appear more stable. Whether that's a long-term stability, we can't tell. But the inflation is much lower. Their deficits are much smaller. Mm-hmm. And because of their relationship with the Central Bank of France, some of their monetary policy se- yeah, seem to be detected yes. from mm-hmm. France. Whether, whether, I don't know what for what that's worth, okay? Mm-hmm. But I but I still feel it's important to compare the two countries because that comparison has been ma- made by politicians throughout. And if you look at the numbers, we seem much much worse off. Again, when you look at our debt to GDP, our numbers are much much worse than almost all the comparator countries. And then we also need to point out that. The Ivorian situation with IMF is an Article 4 consultation, which is very regular for members. So they come and review your economy, and then they sort of give an analysis of where the economy is headed. It's not the same as directing that you go on a program, because you see, there are many programs. So in 2020, we went for uh, the RCF, which is the Rapid Credit Facility, 1 million, 1 billion, which you get because you need money. Yes. But this one is either an ECF or uh, ERF. Yeah. And these ones are because you are going through a specific problem that you can't solve on your own, right? So the report that the IMF gave on Cote d'Ivoire is more like we've come as part of the... But don't forget, the IMF job in countries is almost like the, the global referee for economies. So they come, they have an interaction with you, they meet different people, and they give an analysis. Mm. So unless there is a specific request by the Ivorian government for a debt a balance of payment program, mm. then you can't say that could have gone to the IMF. But for me, what, what, what should be interesting about this, mm-hmm. once the conversations begin on Wednesday, is mm-hmm. the rationalization of data. 
yeah. between from government side and the IMF, and the IMF side. side. You see, because the IMF does run an office here. They've had data on this country for a very long time. Yes, yes. Um, and there has been mention of that data even by you sometimes yeah. on the program. Yeah. That most of the time gets. Uh, yeah, uh, well, well, we we'll say they'll tell you that. Well, our data is a bit good example. Let me give you a good example. When the discussion about the deficit came, the government decided to take out expenses on the banking sector, sector. rational, the banking sector cleanup. cleanup yes. they, they're basically saying this is the deficit if you add everything, everything and this is the deficit if you separate it. Yes, the NDC's point was that you can't separate it, it's part of because we added the. Energy sector crisis, crisis monies. Yeah. But the government says, no, this is an exceptional item. It's a one-off that we mm. did. So we want to take it out. Mm. Now, the IMF was pushed into that discussion. And they basically said, and I interviewed the man, they basically said, you know what? Okay, if you add uh, uh, banking sector, this is the deficit. If you take it out. This is the deficit. So take it out. They didn't want it to be get drawn into the middle. They didn't want to, but, but you see, it will come up. Oh, it definitely will it, come it up. It will come up in this discussion. Yes, it will come up. This is something that will be interesting. And once mm-hmm. it, be, it, it comes up, we will actually get clarity as yes. watchers yeah. on what... So for us, we will also at least get an even clearer picture the other, of what the situation the, is. The other, the other point, that's a very important point. And the other thing is that there's statistical service data, there's Ghana, uh, Bank of Ghana data, data as well. Sometimes mm-hmm. people comment about, for example, the... Exchange rate that is announced at the interbank rate, at the BOG rate, that's what people actually pay. Mm. And those are always challenges with the economy where they will say, oh, the city to dollar is seven. You don't get it seven anywhere, yeah. even in the bank. Even your bank, people write and say eight. <laughs> so there's always those issues that have to be addressed as well. And then obviously issues around how some of the expenditure was spent, yeah. was made. So the issue of the COVID fund, the 18 billion. Yeah. What level of Will, will, the, will, the, will the IMF people say, well, we are happy with the explanation you've given or we want to probe a bit further? Yeah. That's another I'm, point. I'm, I'm also quite happy because I, I think we deserve a proper spending review. And perhaps now we might get it. You see, when the government... As far back us, as when, even previous, like last I, uh, last, I, I don't, I last don't, term, I'm asking because of things like special development initiatives. Yes. Yes. I think last term, as far back as last term, mm-hmm. we should look at that, mm-hmm. a spending review. Mm-hmm. And then also look at whether we've actually been able to do that 20% mm-hmm. that they told us they were going to do because mm-hmm. that was considered key mm. as one of the homegrown mm. measures mm. because eventually we will need homegrown measures. Mm. Now, my forecasting of this as we wrap up the show uh, this morning, Bernard, mm-hmm. I, I, I foresee a very difficult negotiation. negotiation. Yeah. If you look at yeah. the IMF yeah. data, we, yeah. we, we, we were able to complete one in 2019 mm-hmm. it was rare yeah because if you look at data from between 1980 and 2015 mm-hmm. 763 programs 512 were interrupted mm-hmm. 291 did not resume mm-hmm. so which is why we celebrated what we were able to achieve in 2019 so yeah. loudly yeah because yeah, the actually pro- finished we finished yes because it is a very very difficult thing to do yeah the reason why i think this is going to be very difficult is this we have an election coming exactly you see and the kind of conditionalities that will be set will affect elections. But I know the interesting part, a bit of history. There are certain programs, the reason they get interrupted is exactly what you said. <laughs> so in our previous history, there have been some elections that have been 
held and the sort of the, the government has not adhered Yet. to the IMF F- uh-huh. prescription. And so the program cannot continue. Yes, so it gets interrupted. Exactly. So it's a very in- important point you've made about what the election would mean for the program. Yes. What kind of um, recommendations the IMF will make about spending as the election approaches. Oh, yes. And whether the government will say, oh, we agree. But then they will decide to do something else. Something else with it. <laughs> you see, because that's the other point. <laughs> they will say, oh, yeah, we agree. And sometimes the money release is tied to yeah. doing certain things. So I remember in the previous uh, ones in the late 90s, it was about subsidies. Yeah. That's where the deregulation thing came in. Because IMF's view, which is why I asked the question about the leap. IMF's point is that you can't give benchmark subsidies mm. for petrol because rich people benefit. So rather spend the money on poor people through leap. Yeah. Okay, but again, we will see how that goes. So the, the point you make, which is important, is that the election will be an important part of the discussion. Oh, yes. And even though Kodjo is optimistic that they may usually take six months to negotiate and he's hoping that they can do it quicker, from the information we have and from what we are analyzing, this may also be a very elaborate discussion, yeah. particularly because of the approach of government prior to this. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, it, it may well take us probably four to five months mm-hmm. to be very optimistic. The, this engagement will be interesting, I, I, yeah. especially because, you see, we cannot avoid that question mm-hmm. of the finance minister not being a fan. Yes. yes. And that means you have significant pushback on a lot of things that he feels will not work for the economy exactly that he is running yeah. because you and you you use the certain word principle yeah he if we are to go through his speeches in the past one year in the past six months is that the he's, consequences he's mentioned imf dire. several times yeah, that's the point and in not very nice terms yeah every single time but you know to be fair though the imf knows that it doesn't have good PR in many parts of the world. The way oh, that yes. the IMF is seen in places like Greece is even worse. Yes. So they sort of have managed to and maybe one day we it should do, on Kakai. maybe one day we should do an analysis of the IMF itself because um people see them as part of the problem. Oh yes. And um indeed they blame your liberal economic economists yes. and your liberal policies for the pervasive poverty. Indeed, there was a woman I was listening to a couple of days ago who said, and she's an economist, she says, prior to the early 80s, mm-hmm. and, and, and this is contestable, a lot of the African economies were not doing that badly. But she says, a decade and a half after getting into these IMF policies, things have gotten worse. So, there's a very big discussion around what the IMF does and does not. Let's hear a few voice notes before we go on the, the interview we just had and what people think about becoming part of an IMF program. Bernard and your team, please, may I know whether the MPP government, especially Baumea and his management team, are now proving to be the most incompetent and lack of foresight for this country. They should tell us how they have been able to put in place infrastructural development projects that are self-generating, self-revenue-generating facilities or projects for the future. I, uh, you know, I was struggling to understand Kudu when he says that he doesn't have full briefing before he can answer a question on the cathedral. Because I don't think he actually needs full briefing on this. He asked him a simple question as in, 
you know, with all the financial problems that we're going through as a country, you know, you have uh, a cathedral that you are funding. So the simple question is that, I mean, morally, why would you be funding a cathedral when you have all this plethora of problems that you're going through? I think, uh, you know, he needs to come again on that. Bernard, you have to put him, put it to him again. This morning, and this is going really, really fine. And uh, we, we need to get more from him. Meanwhile, Ghana, get ready to experience trucks and buses you can trust. CFAO Ghana is now the sole agent for Mercedes-Benz trucks, buses, and also Fuso trucks. If you're into fuel transportation, general cargo, personal transportation, construction, and public works, don't miss this opportunity to experience superior trucks that will not only increase your business, productivity, but also save you money. The tour will begin from Tema on the 21st and then move through Takradi, Takwa, Obwase, Kumasi, Senyai, Techiman, Tamale, Kumasi, and more. Showrooms open on 7th July. Call 020-222-1422 or 050-1509-868. Hey, with the blame for it all, the government who made the stock market crash, the government did make the economy flop, the government took the pressure on and the banks against the wall, yeah, who with the blame for it all, the government, you're their employer. There's always a reggae song. <laughs> if you had a reggae people, no, their life has squeezed them. Uh, it's a revolution. Tell yeah, <laughs> I mean, everything Ricky Man sing about that yeah, economic crisis, yeah, yeah. unemployment, <laughs> elections. Uh, oh Lord, he sing from a place of sufferation. I tell ya. <laughs> you see me as a, you see me as a. That is it. The rave master is in the house. Don't yes, that to four boys. Yeah, you, but you have to host me on upside down of these days. So. Sure, sure. I mean, we'll you have know, to bring you I'll tell you something. There was a day my my kids were watching the upside down show, and they sat in the sofa with their head down, <laughs> and their legs up. <laughs> And I said, what are you guys? They said, we are watching the upside down. So, 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 so they, they put their head in the sofa and their legs, their in legs the were in the air. And they were watching the TV. Oh, they said, it's called the upside down show. <laughs> so, they have to watch it upside down. I'm telling you. <laughs> Charlie, now that's before. Yeah, I said, oh. Yeah, they assemble back room. They assemble back room, actually. 